0: The Pinball Network is online. Launching Final Round Pinball Podcast.
1: It's player versus player and player versus machine. Welcome to the final round.
2: Hey, Happy New Year. It's Jeff Teolas. It's also Martin Robbins. This is the final
1: round of Pinball Podcast. Happy New Year to everybody. Is it New Year yet?
2: No, but it will be by the time this comes out. You know how long it takes me to edit these things. Episode 49. And a little sneak peek, by the way. Marty, you and I had a great show last week with Jerry Stellenberg, but uh, we record it in two parts. We do the interview, and then we do kind of our little post banter. What we didn't do last week, and if you go back and listen... (laughs) Is we didn't do this part. We didn't do the intro. So Well,
1: it doesn't sound like that.
2: If you listen carefully to episode 44 and episode 48, Marty sounds pretty similar and even cut off to the point where yeah, it's like, we don't have time. We got to get right into this. Yeah.
1: I, I Because I knew you had done it. I could tell, but I, I don't think anyone else did.
2: Well, good thing we didn't tell anyone. That's our little secret. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. This time, we are recording. This time, we do have our guest standing by. He's been on the program before. He's one of our favorites in not only podcasting, but in all things pinball. Stephen Bowden joins us right now. Hello, Stephen.
0: Hello, gentlemen. It is a genuine pleasure to speak with you. Uh, Many events have transpired since we last spoke, haven't they? What happened? (laughs) Nothing, really. I remember the last time we spoke... I believe part of the conversation that I remember was I was asking Marty's opinion on uh, shot Xs versus playfield Xs in rules. I remember that part specifically. Yeah. And we had, a, we had a little discussion about that. And this was before I knew about his involvement with Celts. So that was nice to hear after the fact that <laughs> – <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did you listen back to the news and go, oh, he was fishing for all these
0: things? No, 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 I didn't figure that. But uh, I tell you, when I heard the news, I was like, oh, all right, that's awesome. I wonder if he's going to put a shot X in in, <laughs> in, in, the, in the game there. That's going to be interesting to find out.
2: Mm. But uh,
0: yeah, I, as as I said, the thing, things have uh, things have happened. So <laughs> I wonder how how, how much you want to get into that or what or
1: okay. Well, let me let me start by saying
2: you've moved
0: i have i am a suburban chicagoan so 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 yes i have i have moved i am uh you know in in my uh in my new my new domicile here you know just uh chilling out here and uh yeah i am no longer in san antonio i am up oh, here in the really I am up, how I'm, did I'm that up happen here. yeah how that how that happen yes <laughs> I'm a real I'm a real American now. Yes, just like just like the Hulk Hogan song, right? So yep, you know, transitioning to American pinball has been uh, an experience, and uh, you know, I've already hit the ground running, and uh, with my position that has many hats and uh, many aspects. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I am raring to go, and I'm still going every day. It's very busy.
1: Well, let me call let me call it out because we we had said many times about deep root. We were obviously willing it on, but we kept saying it, and not that we wanted to put pressure on your shoulders, but you know, you were the yardstick. You were the one. We're like, well, we just want we want Stephen to be successful, and so obviously it was disappointing for everybody for a number of reasons when it didn't happen. But our first thoughts went to you. Gotta tell you how freaking pleased I was to see you go to American Pinball because it's like you know what. As long as he's okay, we're okay.
0: Well, I really, I really appreciate that, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, the, when I when I think about uh, you know what happens in the, I guess the company that shall not be named. I don't want to call it Voldemort or anything, but I mean, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I, mean, I do have a rule set that I helped contribute on for three years. That's just sitting there. And I don't know what's going to happen with it, quite honestly. I mean, I guess it's good that parts of the rule set were described on my website, so... That's public, so that's fine to talk about any of that. So uh, I guess that's one side effect that's still out there. I mean, that's pinball history, so that's not going anywhere as long as I have control of funwithbonus.com and I, as long as I pay the hosting fees, it's going to stay up there. And it's still searchable. Just search for Raza, and you'll see what I wrote about the rules. And I was just looking forward to really to the criticism of, of you know, positive, negative, what you like, what you didn't like, and all that. And so I kind of I know I'm going to miss that. I'm gonna miss all that. So, essentially, what I have is my contribution to a master's thesis just sitting out there, basically unproven, till only about fifty people who came to, the, to What's Brewing Coffee Shop and played it, and that was it. So that's that's really disappointing. But I don't know what's gonna happen there. I really my my real wish my real Christmas wish is that more people get to play it, just so that I can know how good is it really, because I'm too close to it to really give an honest. Opinion of it because I'm right Up against it I try to have A perspective of outside perspective To see how you know how good It was so I can tweak things and whatever But yeah it's disappointing not Be able to get anybody's honest Most people's honest opinions I've gotten some but again it's only the people Who were able to play it that 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 day when it was available At the coffee shop and um, Yeah so that's my real Christmas wish I really wish that at some point More people will play it and tell me how they liked it and how they didn't.
2: (laughs) I know this isn't the constructive criticism you were hoping to have by people playing Raza, and yeah, there were only a handful that did. You certainly got a lot of time on it. I don't think any of the criticisms I heard of Raza were about the rules. I think perhaps maybe it was, how does this game get made? And you had that game at What's Brewing. You had the uh deep six if you will show up and and play the game with the pin bar i never saw the pin bar i saw the old prototype at houston Mm -hmm. arcade expo similar play field i know there were some tweaks and stuff the rules weren't all in there yet so i didn't really get to see what you're talking about but the big question was how did that game get made and again i cut me off if you can't say anything But how did that game get made? And
0: well, there's a lot that there's a lot that I can't say because there's a lot that I don't know. Honestly, it's not it's a lot that I don't know. Like so, I mean, as far as you know, the rules that were on the game now, yeah, everything that was on everything that I posted about and, and wrote details on it were in the game tested score audited down to the point like you know like I want it the way I wrote it it's sort of like this score is this and this score is this and there's no formula or whatever it's like I want this was written almost like a story it was like if here's, here's what happens when the perfect player plays this game and then here's what happens when the perfect when the player starts making mistakes or doesn't do things or does alternate things and so it's written that way so all of that was like tested like I'm testing like what happens if you, if you knock out a hundred zombies does the game glitch out or something you know like that deep like shooting the same thing a 100 times things like that so that so that's how far into the testing that i was with it so
2: my biggest worry wasn't the game the rules the shots it was the durability of it and because we can replace the machines we have now whether it be stern or williams or valley or jjp there are parts available and we have techs that do that i don't know anybody who knows how to fix a pin bar I know what happens when my iPhone or my iPad cracks or something goes wrong or the the button doesn't work or this and that. If the pin bar wasn't working, I don't know what you do with that machine. So I was excited to get Raza. I was, even as someone who was purchasing it, worried what happens when something goes wrong with this. Was this going to be a game I could play for five years, 10 years? And that would have been the biggest question I have. And I, I really, I guess we'll never know.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say I guess we'll never know. I'm just gonna hold out hope in some some distant day that we'll at least get to see the proof of concept. Um, But yeah, but the pin bar was key. I mean, it was it was key to starting the game. It was key to other concepts as far as like maintenance, how it made maintenance easier, how it. You could have all your switches on one screen and just swipe it over and, you know, do certain things like that. And even things we tried like, hey, what if we could just have it so that people can play with the status report constantly on? So they can just play, if they wanted to, just, they can see that literally their bonuses move as they're playing. So if they wanted to play it that way, that was a thing. So um, yeah, so there were there were some things that uh, I saw as innovative that we were using the pin bar for, but the pin bar was a linchpin in that way. So that is correct as far as I could see. I mean, if you if the pin bar had an issue, you could not start the game. You had to start. You have to press the start button. Now, if, if you saw the 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 what's brewing stream, there was a start button in there that was a touch button. So you had to do that in order to begin.
1: Did you see how you were going to integrate the pin bar into all the different titles or were you really just focused on Raza at that stage?
0: Um, I was focused on many of the titles that were on that uh, webpage. Like I had a plan for just about all of them. Everything that was on there, I had a nearly master's thesis worth of rules for each game uh so so it was just going to be let's knock them out let's let's prove the concept and then let's move on to the next game let's move on to the next game let's test it let's see how these rules really work how right am i how wrong am i is this fun move on you know keep going in that way so there were a lot of plans and a lot of thinking that I did and a lot of writing and a lot of score balancing and a lot of, you know, well, let's add this section. Oh, did I mess up any of the other sections? Oh, is this unbalancing the scoring? Oh, let's see what, let's test this out. Does this make this mode score not as much? Does it, you know, there was a lot of that multiplied by a lot of games. So
1: well, one of the things that I've in my very recent amount of time doing uh, rules, well, officially, uh, one thing I've known is, it's all great to have it on, on paper and concept, but as soon as you start playing the game, everything changes. Did you have games to test the rules on, or was it all really theory or, or virtual?
0: Well, for, for the parts that we had games made, it was physical, and then, be, then then you know, some parts were mostly theory. So, I don't know if I can get far to as to what that line is, I don't know, but... If I can do that, but, yeah, but for Raza, just considering how much Raza had to be edited by little tweaks and things as I was playing and testing it and getting other people to play it who weren't me, because that's what it really counts. You know, (laughs) if I play it, that doesn't really... that's like if you're a system administrator who runs a network, sure, you can get into all the stuff. That doesn't matter. You know, what matters is the end user. What can they do? So... You know, so once I could once I started making the uh, adjustments based on while other people were playing what they were seeing what they weren't seeing it's like why didn't you see that shot oh because I didn't point out this shot correctly with the light pattern oh okay let's change this to make it more obvious um, things like that that will make some edits happen and definitely some score balancing the most thing most thing that will happen is like adjusting the scoring so that you had your risk-reward right, so that you didn't fall on one mode and make sure that everybody aims for this mode because they know that this mode scores the most. And so every time you add something, you have to make sure that everything is still balanced. It's sort of like when you have a game like Street Fighter or Smash Brothers, and they add all these characters. Like Every time you add a character, you have to make sure you balance with everyone else so it gets harder and harder every time you add something. So that multiplied by the number of modes you have and number of features, you have to make sure each time that you're not going to unbalance something. And so when I found that that would happen, I'd have to audit it, use the shot log, which made it easier to do. I mean, like the shot log would literally show me down to the point what happened. And I say, oh, that's why the score jumped by this amount. Let's have a look at this point right here. Is there anything I can do here to balance this out and then there are times when I'm thinking, well, if the player did this and this, and they did this and this, I gotta pay him his money. I gotta give it to him, so that would leave that in. I mean, you gotta pay off skill, so you don't wanna you don't wanna be so controlled that you're not paying off skill. So I had to make those decisions as uh, I was working through, especially Raza, you know. But uh, yeah, that was definitely a learning experience, and um, I have a, I do have a lot more theory, a lot more ideas. And we'll see uh, if and when those ideas can transpire. I mean, well, I guess all I can as, as far as I can really get into there.
2: So in a way, yes, everything is on Fun With Bonus that you had for Raza, but you were working on a few other games. So mm-hmm. there is maybe a blessing in disguise is that, okay, that's only for my eyes only. I can apply those things to future titles at American Pinball.
0: Right, you can't, because you can't, like, control a concept. I mean, a shot pattern is a shot pattern, and progressions are, you know, rules of three, things like that. You can't really, <laughs> I mean, you can, you can re, you can reuse and tweak them, and, you know, make them your own in different ways. So, yeah, that's, that's true. So, yeah, that, that's, that, that, I, I believe is, is a possibility, but, like I say, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens with my career at American. I'd like to get to designing games, but I don't, you know, like I'd like to get to that far, let's see. Well,
1: let's talk about that. Your, your role at American, you said there's many hats. Talk through what it really involves.
0: Okay. So, so far I've been, I've been involved in game testing, um, like rules analysis, sales, promotion, marketing. Uh, I guess being at the shows, that's, that's sales and promotion as well. So like, you know, being at IAPA and, and, uh, and uh, Expo and, and shows of that nature. And, that, and so that will continue and even on up to taking orders, uh, <laughs> things like that. So. I want to get to where I can start focusing more on creative. I mean, I've been involved in the creative department, but you know, I I want to get hopefully my my goal is to get more involved into in the in creative, but you know, we got to sell games too. So so that's so I'm doing that as well, but that is that is my overall goal is that, you know, as my career with American continues, I want to see where I can slot in in the creative area and see if I can progress in that way like I was doing with 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 Deep Root and just see if, if I can apply some of some some of these ideas to some future games. But you know, as right now we we're we're, we're selling Valhalla, we're selling Hot Wheels, we're, you know, so that's what we're doing. So I, it's it is like I said, it is a position of many hats, and uh, I'm very glad to be there, and so I'm appreciative of the team and the hard work that they do every day, really to get these games out.
2: Those are a lot of hats. Who's in charge of vocal talent critique? I'm just curious.
0: Uh, can I be? We all are. <laughs> like, well, yeah. we, we all are. are. Like, we all are, yes. Yeah. <laughs> by, 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 by the way, Fig says that Odin might, be a, might get a good job on Sesame Street. and Odin's a great <laughs> counter. He's a great counter <laughs> of things. He he counts really well. Hold on Three a second, I,
2: I do an actual I do a count. One peanut butter sandwich. Ah ah ah, ah. <laughs>
0: That's right. He lets me know how many targets are left. I have no doubt when he tells me what it is. So you know, so absolutely.
2: Sales are going well. You mentioned for Hot Wheels for all the titles, uh, and and they're all currently in production. Is that safe to say?
0: Uh, it's, it's safe to say on Valhalla and Hot Wheels. Octoberfest and Houdini also in production, but they will be rearing back up again in earnest in the new year. So, but Valhalla and Hot Wheels are, are rolling. So that's the current status there. So yeah, and it's, it's very, very, very busy. I'm le- learning that part of the, of the job, the sales part. <laughs> you know, so it involves a lot more things that I'm learning as well. But, uh, yes, yeah, this, you know, staying motivated to do as, as, to, to, to help out as, as much as I can with, with this company because, I mean, they, they know I'm motivated and I am motivated to do whatever I can to help American pinball succeed because, I mean, not only my natural, I guess, passion for pinball that I've built up, but, you know, it's almost it's not saying it's like revenge. It's sort of like if revenge and inspiration had a combined word, you know, it's like I wanna pour it all into American pinball and say, Yes, we will succeed here even even more than they already are. You know, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna help them do that, whatever way I can.
1: So even like a game like um like Valhalla, which is pretty much it's been in existence for a while, do you get to have a critique on it as far as gameplay and rules go?
0: I mean, in, in a limited way, and also I get to, you know, I've been doing game testing on it, so we can see what, uh, if, any, if any shenanigans happen. Let's see if we can find out and really nail it down and then get it updated and test it out so we can get a new release out and, and uh, make it uh, even more stable, because my, my goal is to get that game on stage. So, and by on stage, I mean, like, at a major so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I've been involved in definitely recently is t- testing Valhalla. Let's get into it and see if I can create strange things happening uh, through natural gameplay. You know, can we get some, you know, much the same way that I was, you know, testing Raza? Can I get strange things to happen by playing the game naturally and, you know, focusing on early play? See if we can get weird things to happen there. If it seems stable there, move on to more of the middle, mid game stuff and then into the strategies and then. If we're still safe, go to the end game and see where it lies there. So yes, that's definitely one one of the hats I wear when I can get time is to go over and test the latest beta and see you know what's what's happening and see what what's been improved and is and if anything needs fixing and and it's getting better. I mean it's it's getting better and it's getting fixed every day. I mean there's lots of I mean I I am very happy with. With Frank and 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 what, what he's been able to do, and, how, and and how he's been able to respond to things that I found and things that we found with it, I mean, I'm very, very happy with what they're able to do. Just to, and our goal is just to improve the game and and uh, you know make it play better.
2: Marty, what similarities do you see with maybe yourself and Steven or Haggis and American?
0: Okay, I was
1: gonna say something, and I thought, ah, oh, you know what, I don't want to make it about me. Let's make it about me and Steve just here for a second. All right, I'll get out of here. See ya. Go. Oh my God. Thank I'll ba- you. I'll be back in 10 <laughs> minutes. It wasn't too subtle. Good. Because as I was listening to you, it is so relatable to me. Because obviously I'm I'm game designer and rule designer, but I have many, many hats. And I think that's the nature of, I guess, working for a company that is not one of these large companies where it's just all hands on deck. And if something needs to be done, you just get in and do it. So I'm also responsible for sales. I'm also responsible for marketing. I'm responsible for the the print room. I'm also responsible for game testing and, you know, bug testing uh, and assembly and all that stuff that you do as well, Steve. Yeah, that's all the stuff that Jeff wishes he could do <laughs> instead of lame-ass call-outs. Well,
0: yeah, just keep talking, Marty. Just keep talking. Just ignore that.
1: But as I said, I was just hearing everything. One hat of many colours. Two hats (laughs) of many colours. Well played, sir. Well played. (laughs) Well done. Uh, yeah, Yeah, so the answer to your question, Jeff, is yeah, absolutely. I'm listening to it going, that is exactly my life at the moment. So it's interesting for Steve and I. That was
2: great. I am in awe of both of you. You know that. Marty, I just hate to admit it. Damn it, you got me to do it on a podcast. Steven, you know how I feel about you. I, Marty, and pretty much everybody I've talked to are thrilled that you're at American Pinball. Looking forward to seeing what comes out from you, from that company. Uh, with Michael Grant gone, are you going to be assuming some of his role?
0: Yeah, I've already started assuming some of his role, but, I mean, luckily for me, we have Max Sinisak, who is here, who's also been hired in in the sales department, who is a lifesaver. So we are a team to both of us. You now, he is a very good competitive player as well, so easily top 100 already. If he goes to a couple of majors, he'll, he'll jump up really quickly. So it's definitely good to have a couple of players who are – who are a couple of experienced players in the, in here, You know, other especially with everyone else who's also there. I mean, just think of what we got there. I mean, I I got to walk in and I got to talk to Dennis after a while, and, boy, that was a conversation. Dennis Norman, man. <laughs> so I'm glad to be working with him again. And I mean, Sophia. I mean, I'm just going to – it's going to be a name check of everybody, but I don't want to do that because I'll miss everybody. But I want to name everybody because everybody here <laughs> – is working really, really hard on getting these games and and, and, and getting these games out. And is really, really, I want to, I want to do whatever I can to help. And I hope that I am help. I believe that I am. So, so.
1: And you, you said that you get to go to shows and represent them. Are you going to be one of these people that you know? Now that you're in the pinball company, you don't do tournaments as much.
0: I hope not. Uh, I am trying to get into the, t- I mean, be- because one reason is I, w- I get to the tournaments is because like, hey, that means I get to do, I'm, I might have a chance to do some commentary, you know, which is my other favorite thing. <laughs> right? So, you know, I definitely love to do some pinball commentary. So if I can get on commentary, I can maybe even promote American Pinball a little bit. But, uh, no, I definitely, I'm uh, going to do my best to stay on the tournament scene, hopefully supported by American Pinball. Hint, nudge, whatever, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, whatever that may be. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I know we, we've got an event coming up in uh, District 82. So, definitely looking forward to go to that. That, that place was amazing when I went there um, before. So, I'm looking forward to that event. That's going to be fantastic. But, um, yeah, we, and we've got Bang Back coming up really soon. Um, the Bang Back uh, winner winter tournaments are, are coming up in mid-January. So, that's definitely going to be a thing got in this coming up i mean it's gonna to be tournament season so i will i will do my best to stay on the scene and uh yeah that's that's all i can say about that
2: perfect lead into our next thing was it well i do think it is because i wanted to get steven on here to talk about tournaments And Stephen has played in many tournaments for many years, one of the top players in the world. Marty is experienced in tournaments as well, not only as a player, but also someone who runs a major tournament in Australia. I've run a few tournaments, nothing as big as you, Martin, but I've certainly played in a lot like Stephen and and done a few. So I want to kind of think of if you're going to run a big, big tournament, and we're talking Stern Pro Circuit size, so probably a multi-day tournament. Maybe there's more than one tournament. You want to attract people to come to your event. And that doesn't mean just the locals, but maybe people from out of town. So hotels and flights and all these things are included. Maybe car rentals, all that kind of stuff. For me, and Stephen, I think you and I are, are similar in many ways. I think we look at what the tournament has to offer. And there are things that I think are essential. And I'd like to know what you think is essential. For me, I'd like to know, and a lot of times you don't know this until you get there. Does that tournament have a lot of volunteers, which means scorekeepers and techs, to keep it moving? If you have that, you probably have good timing with tournaments. Timing is very, very important because if we are coming from out of town, we might have flights to catch. And again, back to having enough techs, I want to know that these games I'm playing are working. Notice I never said anything about what the rules of the tournament are, because they don't matter. We know what they are before we go, and we can determine whether or not we want to play in these events. We can't bitch and complain about rules when we know in advance. So if you do bitch and complain about it, that's on you. Yes, you might have your favorites, but you should never argue about what the rules are in a tournament when you go to a tournament and they're laid out in advance. Stephen, when you go to an event, what are the things you look for to make it a successful and happy tournament? And I'm not talking about where you finish.
0: No, no, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm, I'm listening. Your first point was key because when I'm looking at a tournament to go to, I'm, it's scheduling at first because I have to look, okay, flights, right? How, I'm looking at the format of the tournament is to predict how long the tournament might take, regardless of whether I do well in it or not. So just to plan, when do I arrive? When will I be able to leave to go back home? That's, that's just key logistical stuff before you even start to just gauge whether or not you can go to the event that's first and then i mean once you're there then you're talking about okay how how well do the games work meaning less delays um, and And the amount of volunteers is key because that means less delays. The tournament runs smoothly. The predicted time usually happens in that way, and then you're able to not miss a flight on the way home. <laughs> you know so so though, yeah those are key things that uh, that are even external to the to tournament format itself because once you have the format, you you know most everybody who plays knows what the format is, and the people who don't the formats are easy to learn. You know, your strikes tournaments, your, you know, your flipper frenzies and all that. So that that's pretty easy to, to learn. But getting that logistical stuff done so you can actually just go there and have fun without thinking about all the logistics, that's the key. So that 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 first point you made, I fully agree with because I'm already trying to predict, okay, do I have the best flight to get home from the bang bag tournament? I think I may have to push it to the following day because what if we stay later or something like that? So, and of course I don't want to just leave when it's over. I want to hang out a bit or, you know, and so that's, that's also part of it because it's not just going to the tournament, playing and leaving. It's also going to the tournament, meeting people, hanging out, having fun, maybe doing some stuff after the event. And then, you know, in my case, you know, promoting American pinball as well. And and seeing about, and the American pinball games that are there, like Valhalla or Hot Wheels or etc. And so, yeah, that is that is a key that needs to be – I mean, I, and, and I guess some tournaments carry with it that reputation that, that's that been built up over years that the schedule will be followed. Like, for example, Indisc, I'm highly confident in that one, <laughs> you know, right? I'm highly confident that, that that's going to be run well and it's going to be awesome. So if I can get myself there, then you know can pretty much predict – the logistical parts will be worked out so I can concentrate on having fun.
1: Would you also say, I might be a little bit presumptuous thinking that I know the answer to this, but would you say that you prefer tournaments where each of the rounds is also scheduled? Meaning, let's say a pump and dump where you've got to wait per round for your next game is less ideal versus, let's say, a match play game where once everyone's done their round, you go to the next one and that's all scheduled?
0: Um, it well, it's more predictable that way, of course. I mean to a certain limit. I mean, even the like the District eighty two events which had like all those tournaments in a row, there were times where where events had to leak over into other time periods because certain games play long. <laughs> right? So so if you have one of those wild card games that just happens to play long, that'll screw up even that sort of regimented schedule. It still will. But I mean, if you have something that has like a Papa style finals, you can basically predict, okay, two two hours per round okay about plus or minus and then you can add that to the end of the of the qualifying time and sort of predict it kind of just granted the fact that people start playing slower as you advance in the finals because they're playing more carefully so that sort of extends it as well but um just as long as it's reasonably i mean I, i guess what i really wish i did is that Knowing from previous results what the times were and keeping track of that, but and then for for future results, you know, like previous previous results as far as future predictions and saying, okay, well, this tournament ended at X PM, so and it was the same format, so it will probably end at X PM this time, maybe if it's the same sort of format. So that would help guide it too. Um, I know that would be kind of hard to keep track of because nobody really. I don't think anybody really keeps a track or all that. They're just happy they, had, they just ran a successful event, and so I understand that.
2: So, Marty, when you're running your big tournament, are those some of the factors you think of? The the volunteers, the scorekeepers, the techs, that the games are working, the timing, are those important for you?
1: Absolutely critical, and it's why I make sure I've got a good team around me that can manage those things. So, um, you know, Stacey Borg particularly, scoring and moving people and arranging people. Uh, Stu was doing all the tech and he was also phenomenal. And there was this, you know, team of scorekeepers as well. It, it really is the most important thing because I think we've said this many times. As long as the players see that it's a well-run tournament, that's the main thing because behind the scenes, it's usually a mess and you just got people just constantly fixing and changing things all for the betterment of the player.
0: It's controlled chaos. That's yeah. It's it controlled is. controlled chaos that you hope not as many people notice, but many people understand and appreciate. You know, so these the experienced people understand it, they appreciate what's happening, and they also can appreciate that, you know, how you were able to paper over certain things that happened and, oh, it was a well-run event, and then you're going to get more people next year. And then soon, and then before you know it, you're running a, an F5-type tournament. You know, you're basically, you know, you're at that level yeah. where people are F5-ing the page. So, and once you get to that level, you know you got it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I also find when people come up to me and they say, oh, you know, did you know that? I go, yeah, that was planned.
0: Yep,
1: <laughs> to see here. No, yeah, but as long, as long as you remain cool, and it's like, yep, understood. And, and even if even if something you know fucks up, you can just go, you know what, unavoidable. We just got to move forward. As long as you're calm as a, a tournament director and organizer, then people will be calm. If, if you start panicking, people are going to think something fucked.
0: Right. As long as the general is calm and consistent, <laughs> right. Everyone, everyone else will sort of like okay follow that lead you know, take that inspiration and you know everything's gonna be fine and because uh, it's all it's never it's all for pinball at the end of the day and so you know with with all the volunteers dedicating their time hopefully the people appreciate it and most of the time they do and so mm. you'll find that uh, your event becomes very popular if you've run it well and all of a sudden like as I said you're running an f5 tournament <laughs> you know, so.
2: yeah. most tournaments are annual and you're right Your first time going to the tournament, you don't know what the experience is going to be. Maybe you've heard from others and they've given you some feedback, but when you go to a tournament and you have a great time, you're very likely to go in future years. And Stephen and I were just at Free Play Florida in November in Orlando. That has been a lot of fun, that tournament. And Daniel Spoiler has been running it for years. Well, Daniel was unavailable this year. He was doing his Love Across America tour with Project Pinball. So the people from the Pinball Lounge Took over and hand up here. I was not worried, but wondering what will it be like because Daniel had done it a few years. Well, kudos to the Pinball Lounge because they ran. They called it pre-play Florida tournaments at the Pinball Lounge just to get used to timing and to teach the volunteers how to score keep and with rules and things like that. And it was spectacular, and that was perhaps an unknown. But if you now see that tournament coming up again, whether it's Daniel running it, whether it's Pinball Lounge. You know, okay, it's going to be a good one. So, a lot of times, preparing the volunteers in advance, I think, is very beneficial to tournaments. Oh yeah,
0: and that tournament, I I do my best to get to that every year. I mean, and yeah, that and they ran it so so well this year, and it was it was fantastic. And it, you know, the live streaming was great. I really, really appreciated the, the the preparation that they did to step into those shoes and really fill them very well with how they ran that tournament. It was fantastic, and I'm looking forward to it next year. And, you know, just as soon as soon as I see the dates, which I, I don't know if they had the dates for that already, but I don't know if the, many of the dates were put out for some of the circuit events yet. But yeah, as soon as I see that, I'm writing that down and I'm seeing if if I can work my way down there. You know, it's like, is can we happen to have uh, an American football game down there so I can represent? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean?
2: right? So do what I can to get back down there. Likely right after IAPA. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it is that was great. I was so glad I was there. I was I mean, I was I was sad that I had to miss Pentastic cuz that was a split. That was a conflict, right? I had to miss Fantastic where I was a defending I was a defending champion, so I had to, you know, I had champion's obligation and I couldn't fulfill the obligation to it. But I was at Free Play Florida, so that was that was very good. That was a very good tournament to be in and I definitely enjoyed myself.
2: So, let's go through some of the major tournaments right now that you've been at, and I'm going to describe them to the people listening, to Marty, because these are all different formats, and if we can think of one suggestion from past experience or just looking ahead at what their tournament format is going to be, what might be a good suggestion for that tournament, we're going to go around the table and ask each of us. We've all been at Indisc. I joked a few weeks ago about the only thing I would change at Indisc is have more food available. Because of the old location. Well, that doesn't matter anymore. So I don't even know what I would say for InDisc. I mean, I think people might say, well, you know, it's uh, it can be expensive, which you could say about any pump and dump tournament, right? This is a tournament which is a pop a ticket style. So you have to play five games on the main bank and they all count on one ticket. So you better do well on those five or maybe you have to ante up and, and buy another ticket. Is there anything you could suggest, Martin or Steven, for InDisc? that might make it better. And it's this is a tough one because I think that's a near perfect tournament. And I think, Marty, it's even your favorite. Marty, what would you think?
1: Well, I mean, you almost covered my main suggestion, and that is location. Like it was at Banning, which, sure, Banning's fine. But for for me traveling, it was sort of in the middle of nowhere. So I would love the location. But now, obviously, it is in a better location. So that's not a problem. But as far as format goes, um, I would put it back to pump and dump. Even though I've never played in a ticket style, I just don't think I'm going to enjoy it.
0: Yeah, after the location part has been pretty much remedied, I mean, I'm, I'm going into nitpick territory. I'm talking about like maybe each classic round, you're probably only going to get one chance because it's so popular. Maybe two, <laughs> I mean, right? And so, and then I don't know whether you can really remedy that because it's just so popular because the amount of people that are there, it's just, that just boils down to play better on the one chance you get.
2: Well, is a suggestion perhaps make the classics limited entry?
0: That might work. Yeah, so that way.
2: What Steven's talking about is there's so many people that go to Indisc and you've got the main, which you can play over several days. Classics are scheduled for one day and then it's done. The next classics event, one day it's done. So those lineups can be pretty big. And again, that's not a fault. That's just due to the popularity. So people are trying to get lots and lots of entries in on these games. But if you made it limited, maybe that would make a difference
0: and classics and they even have a lot of games in classics at index i mean how many how many oh, several. It's, it's it's several so it's and even that still <laughs> even that still the the the, the cues for those games are very hefty very quickly you pretty much have to get in there at the beginning of the day and then either concentrate on it and, and that's it to get another shot, another couple of chances. But if you're messing with the Open and Classics, I, I don't think that that's going to be a good of a budget of your time if you're trying to get in Classics. But there, but again, there are people who are good enough to do that in one shot. So that, that just boils down to play better. I'm not <laughs> one of them. I'm not one of them in classics, so I, I have to spend my first entry just finding out how the bounces go. <laughs> right? And then, and then hopefully at that point learn, t- took what I learned with that money and take it to the next entry and see if I can put it together.
2: It's a lot of fun. It's coming up first weekend in February. That's in disc and uh check out their Discord too for some uh, interesting trivia as well. The next big tournament on the calendar is usually in March, and that would be the Texas Pinball Festival. So yeah, Stephen, you'll be headed back down to the uh it's not in Dallas. Where is it? What city is it in? Where is it it's uh
0: what is it? Frisco? Why is that no Frisco? Is that Frisco, it? that's it. Frisco, yes. Yeah, so yeah, I'll be yeah, I'll be glad to to uh, head head back down to Texas for TPF. Always got to go to TPF. Um, what ways could we improve that
2: one? Well, just to let people know, that's a limited entry tournament. So here we're yeah. suggesting it being a limited entry tournament at Indesk, maybe for the classics. It doesn't matter if it's not. We're just like we say, nitpicking, right. trying to find maybe one way to make it better. And I don't even know if that's a possible solution. But but this is. What do you think, Marty? You've been to TPF as well. Bigger room. Bigger room.
1: Okay. Bigger room. Yeah, that's it. Massively bigger room. Like you've got to have double the size because people people actually standing around in there were pretty much shoulder to shoulder. And what I found is that uh, people were really playing the games and you really couldn't get a lot of spectators in there.
0: Now, didn't they used to be in the main room a couple of years ago? Yeah, it did. Right?
2: But then they would have almost, even though it was a bigger room, from what I heard, and I wasn't there. Traffic was an issue. People that were not in the tournament kind of walking by and maybe getting in the way. And and Marty, you've been at tournaments where some kid goes up to play a game. Oh, whoa, 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 that's a mm-hmm. tournament game. Or, <laughs> yeah. So I think, I don't know if that was the problem, but it just was, you know, here's all these games and everyone's huddled around. Oh, what's going on there? It, it was the separation I think needed to be done. So now I guess it's just a matter of, is it possible to to do a bigger room? Who knows? I don't know.
0: Yeah, because it does it does get pretty packed in there, especially for that that, that pre-play period where you're doing. Oh, here comes practice, and then it's, you're just trying to get a couple of games in on every game to figure it out. Okay, everybody, get out. All right, we're done.
2: So, Stephen, you've been there for the Texas Pinball League finals, and they are usually held before the Texas Pinball Festival. And right. we've heard people say it, you see it on forums and whatnot. Boy, those people in the Texas Pinball League sure sure get a chance to get a feel for those games because the players are only getting limited entry and they're they're playing it for the first time is there an advantage for the Texas pinball League players you can't argue there there isn't there definitely is but there's a reason why they do that it's to test the games and testing yeah, the games is extremely important it's one of my things do the games work well that's what that's what that's there for so is the solution maybe maybe giving players a 30second kind of warm up like we do see in big tournaments is is that a possibility just to get some sort of feel at least for the plunge at least for the tilt maybe for the bounce and then you're done
0: maybe yeah, maybe i mean 60 seconds i mean 30 seconds goes by pretty quickly i, mean,
2: I know but timing is also an issue for that tournament so that is a limited entry tournament and it's hard to get all your entries in in that tournament in the in the right. single day so is there a compromise is there something they can do to maybe even out the playing field
0: I mean, I would I would agree to the to the thirty second free play just to see how how the tilts are, so that people can they're not going in totally blind with it. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't want to trade. I guess I don't, don't want to trade the fact that those games are tested out and and uh, games that are that are not working are eliminated.
2: Neither do easily.
0: I. Yeah, I don't want to trade that <laughs> because yeah, I do not want to trade the, the 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 possibilities of having things. Uh, uh, mess, you know, screwed up because the, oh, this game could have just been tested before and it would have been eliminated beforehand, and and then and the games are playing a little differently anyway throughout the day, so so whatever advantage gets lost, and so I like, okay,
2: yeah. The reason I bring up the testing is because when the Sharp brothers run tournaments and they do for the IFPA World Championship and they do for Pin Masters, and Pin Masters is a tournament many people can go to that tournament, they allow testing before every game now. It's a good thing they do because as we know, the Sharp brothers like to have extremely tight tilts. If there's a ball save, they like to turn it off. Things Mm. like that. Star Wars. Star (laughs) Star Wars. Yeah. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) I remember playing black Rose with Jason Wardrick and he plunged and tilted, plunged and tilted in Vegas. But anyway, that, that aside, you know what? At least everyone got to have 30 seconds on the machine to get some Mm. sort of feel for it. And, Pin golf is a real tricky thing. I don't know. Marty, have you played much pin golf? I have played it a couple times, yeah. What's difficult about pin golf is if you're playing at 8 in the morning and you're playing at 11 at night, they could be two totally different machines. The flippers might not have the power anymore. Who knows? Things could be adjusted. It's tough to do pin golf, I find, to have some sort of consistency over a day-long event. It's not impossible. It's just tough.
1: But they could be the same said for, I guess... Any sort of tournament that's got one or two yep. days qualifying, I mean, the the machines do change over that time.
2: I guess if a flipper is strong in the morning and not at night and a pump and dump tournament, you know that, okay, that game I better not play later in the day. I'll play it in the morning. The next day, there, there's a little more options. Whereas a pin golf, you only have one option to play that. That's the only slight difference there. But you're right. Machines change throughout the day.
0: Yeah, I guess the only thing about that is, I uh, is that uh, if you're well, if you're in a match play, it doesn't matter as much because then you're all playing the same yes. in that particular match. Then everything's sort of equally bad or good for that match, and then and then you're free to check the power of the flippers after. Whereas you maybe not be as free doing a pump and dump. Like, what is what is the best practice on pump and dumps? If you're noticing, like for example, if you're playing Monster Bash and oh no, the kickout is setting the ball down the middle. What <laughs> I mean, that's no good, but what do we do? Right, I mean, there must be some way, I mean, you, to to counteract that, oh, but we're in a pump and dump, so you're not supposed to, or what? Whereas if you're in a match play, you just fix it. Okay, <laughs> it's match play, fix it, move on.
1: Um, It just, I know that there's this fine line between doing subtle adjustments and repairs. I would have a tech look at it, and if there's something tech that can be repaired, that needs to be repaired, then go for it. But if it's a wire that needs to be bent or a bracket that needs to be slightly bent, I wouldn't do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Even if the result is like, if you land in this place, it will go down. Like, or like, if, if you land in this in this consistent area, like a scoop in the middle with no ball safe protecting it, then it's, whereas in the beginning of the day, it wasn't doing it. And then
1: yeah, but, but, if I, I, but if I can see that somebody goes in there to look at the bracket and the bracket is slightly out because it might need a screwed or nut tightened, then absolutely do that because that means that something's moved over time. But you, you know what I mean? Like if you can see something that's visibly or physically changed,
2: then fix it. I suggested to Josh, and he kind of laughed at me, but I was serious, <laughs> that it would be great if there was some sort of tool... Sure, it could be 3D printed for tournaments. That was a tilt bob measure of some sort. A ruler it could be. Something that showed you, here's where we're going to be at the start of the tournament. We are whatever centimeters or inches away from the top on the tilt bob. And then in the case of that Black Rose game we were playing where the tilt bob obviously moved and Jason Wardrick plunged and tilted, you could say, okay, yeah, that's definitely not where the tilt bob was at the start. And here's the proof here's the ruler. So that was the one thing I suggested. But that's not what I would suggest for a pin golf tournament. My suggestion for a pin golf tournament, because it affects timing, timing is always the difficult thing in pin golf tournaments. I find that in pin masters, you know, you wanna make sure the average hole is three balls, again, for maximum TGP. They kind of take off the ball saves a little bit, they tighten the tilts. I don't think you need to do either of those things. In pin golf, I think you just need to increase the scores because it doesn't really matter what the scores are. It matters how many balls you do to get that. So if you have a game that plays a little more easier, let's just say, and the scores are higher, doesn't mean you're going to be playing five balls to get that. You might actually be done earlier in time,
0: which is fine because it's, yeah, it's fine to to have a, a score set easier because that just means don't screw it up. That's fine. Yeah, it's, uh, and it would and it would run faster. I mean that's I'm definitely okay with an easier goal because that's a different set of pressure. That's don't screw it up. That's everyone else is getting twos. You know, everybody else is birdieing. You better birdie as well. <laughs> you know, right? So and, and and having a bunch of those type of holes will help uh, speed some of it up a bit. Even if you even if you uh, yeah even if you had the games on default settings, if you had them on Pinball Expo settings,
2: <laughs> oh, right? boy we'll get to expo in a second for sure
0: right if you had them on those settings and just did it that way then it might be uh as as opposed to like breathe on games and tilt through
2: here's why that stinks in a pin golf if you make the tilts tight the next player i'm gonna wait two minutes before i plunge that's why it's ridiculous to have tight tilts in a pin golf game so therefore make the scores higher, you'll get more action in because again, there's a lot of tilting that happens and that just makes it go longer and longer and longer. It's harder to achieve, more balls, something to suggest anyway, not that the Sharps ever, ever listen to me. But we have all been at Pinberg. Now that tournament doesn't exist anymore, sadly, rest in peace. We hope someday, somehow something like that could happen again. There is something very close, by the way, happening in Edmonton in July. It's called Yegpin. Look for that one. But Pinberg, we've all been there. And boy, you want to talk about a perfect tournament. The games were tight but fair. The timing of the tournaments were perfect. Oh my goodness, did they have a lot of volunteers and scorekeepers and techs. Everything I want in a tournament. I don't know what I could suggest. And I really don't know what I would suggest for Pinberg for making that better if it ever came back. I, I, I do. You do? Okay.
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I would make the location of your game uh, digital. You know, remember they used to, look, when, you, when you start, you get the, the paper and people would run, be running around going, shit, which bank am I on? Which machine am I on? Am I on this four? Am I on the next four? Which bank am I on? Just make it easier for people to know which game they're going to. And I, and I will say round one of the tournament is probably the, the biggest culprit here because there are a lot of people that are going to Pinberg for the first time. And they don't understand the the sheets and the games and the banks and where to go. Fair enough.
0: And it, But in, Marty, you're talking about like just as far as people just finding where their games are, making that a yes. little easier. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: They're a victim of their own success. They're so huge and they have a thousand people. That yeah, It's I mean, such yeah. a big area. <laughs> it's like group 87. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a suggestion and a compliment. <laughs> yeah, that is. That's
0: like, yeah, a, you're so huge. It's tough to find the game you want to play. Yeah. And they're organized in the, I mean, in a the, decent order. I mean, they even have the, they had them where they had um, placards at the end of them where which, which would list these are the sets. These are the eight sets in this row or something. or These are the four sets here. These are the four sets here. I remember that being a thing as well. So that that helped. But I do understand what you're saying, Marty. I mean, yeah, if you're not an experienced player, you're not gonna. You might not be able to. You might be. It might be like looking at a, getting lost in a Walmart, and <laughs> full of pinball games. It's like I can't, I can't find Jungle Lord, and I'm looking through all these other mm-hmm. games, and I really. I mean, people are waiting for you to come, and you, and they can't really, they can't really get in contact with you really until you get there. But uh, I mean, it does get to a point where people do get to learn you know, round three or four, things start to even out, but yeah, there is that, there's that first round, I mean, but that is the only thing I can think of, what, like make World Poker Tour harder so it doesn't take, <laughs> so it doesn't be the only game that, that somehow breaks up the schedule and the history of <laughs> the event, right? I think, I think, is that the only one? Is that the only time when there was an epic game of World Poker Tour, which stretched everything and people were watching this amazing event happen and yeah, I mean, everything else about the tournament is there's a reason why people say that Pinburg is it's like, what's your favorite tournament? And don't say Pinburg, right? So yeah. it's because of that.
2: A slightly different tournament, and you mentioned it earlier, was at Pintastic, the Silver Ball Rumble. You were the champion before this year. In fact, I made it to the top four and we both couldn't uh, defend our top four, if we will. Um, we were at Free Play Florida, but that's a well-run tournament in the Boston area. And... I do have one suggestion for that one. It's run by uh, Jim and the people at the Sanctum. So again, it checks all the boxes as far as enough volunteers, scorekeepers, texts. The games definitely work. The timing of it is great. All the things I like about it. So what could I possibly suggest for that tournament? And by the way, there's a women's tournament as well. My only suggestion would be have another tournament, maybe a classics tournament. And the only reason right. I, the only reason I say that is it's more attractive for out-of-towners. I loved that tournament. I loved everything about it. I loved the show, the people. Gabe and Derek do a great job running it. But if you had another tournament, it's more attractive for me to say, okay, that's worth my while to go to something I can play in two events, for women three events. I'm getting more bang for my buck for travel.
0: Definitely agree there because that was definitely a thought I had when I was originally looking at, at the Pintastic versus Fleet Play Florida conflict. And it was number of events. That was one aspect of it. Might also suggest more fireball at the uh, Fantastic Event.
2: Well That was me who brought it, by the way. You know <laughs> well, <okay>. that. Hello. <laughs>
0: right. More fireball, please. That's always wanted. But <laughs> yeah, but just run, this run a, a, a classics, right? Because it's just, it's just the open, right? It's the open event, yeah. right? Yeah. Let's get a, let's get a, let's get a, let's get a fully whopperized classic event there as well. It's got a decent amount of space in that back there. They have that back portion on lock, so everybody, as soon as you go in, you know where the tournament is. Nice big beautiful banner there, you know, just draws people to that to that area. So you can somehow fit a classics event there. If not there, then maybe in one of the in one of the side rooms in that place. Assuming they go to the same place, because uh, I know they were in flux this year. I mean, we don't know if they're going to be in the same air in, in the same venue next year. But even if we're in one of those side events, the side rooms, like the one they had the VIP room and all this other type. But somewhere there's got to be another place to have another event in there. Yeah. yeah, to have a classics.
2: Chuck Webster ran his, I think, New England Pinball League. Trash talker in a side room, and and I was in that with Greg Pavarelli and some other people. Joe LaMare was there too, Marty. And we were playing and just, I mean, trash talking at an all time high. Fireball was definitely oh, yeah. in that room. Let's oh, just put yeah, it that it was way. There. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that and a few other colorful things. But um anyway, <laughs> a great tournament. That's coming up in late June next year. Marty, do they have anything? I think they do. Allentown, that's uh, the PinFest tournament. Allentown's the big swap meet. And that's what goes on in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Is there anything like that in Australia? I think there is. Hmm, I
1: don't really think there is. As far as, you know, having everybody in the, the car park and, you know, opening up the back door of their wagons and selling wares out of the boot. Uh, we don't have that at, um, flip out that we put on, you know, we asked people to bring their games and people could sell their games if they wanted to, but nothing, nothing like that sort of buy, sell culture at any of our shows.
2: Where it's the main purpose. Okay. I have not been to Pinfest, so it's hard for me to talk about that event. I know that's something you've been to, especially when you're living in New Jersey, Stephen. What I heard, and again, I've never been to it, so... Uh, because the games are put there by volunteers, you know, I'm assuming they're working. Uh, that may or may not be the case, uh, but I, I assume they are. The difficult thing I always heard about that Allentown tournament was getting all your entries in in time.
0: That is correct. It's more time. And I don't even know if the, it's something that they can do. It's it's that's the one thing. It's more time needed, and I don't know if they could if they're even allowed to just by the hours that it's open.
2: And that is a limited entry, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and even and even then, you're still you can't get it in. It's the, you're sitting accused of sea witch, and it's like thirteen deep. And you're like, what happened here? It's like, wait, what? <laughs> what hell on? Wait, how did this happen? But yeah, it's more time, and I don't, and I don't know if they're if they're able to even do that because the venue may have a time limit. Um, I noticed the hours. I'm just remembering, just remembering in my mind that this Pinfest, the hours are are uh, much less. (laughs) I'm just thinking about it now, and I'm remembering those cues, looking onto onto my cell phone and seeing, well, I'm 12th in line for Sea Witch. Okay, I guess I'll go to the swap meet or something. I'll go next door to eat all that fabulous food, and then maybe I'll be ready and get my one entry.
2: (laughs) It's funny. We talk about some of the tournaments. uh, We're specifically talking about the tournaments. And by the way, everyone I mention, I recommend going to. Every single one.
0: Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah. That's why we're mentioning it.
2: That's, yeah. <laughs> that's like, yeah. But what you hear about Allentown is really, is it really about the tournament? No, it's about the atmosphere that you just described, the party, the fun, uh, eating next door, all that kind of good stuff. That's the one thing I, the Houston show is they have a great tournament and, uh, and you were there this year, but really that is the party tournament, uh, the party, uh, expo, I should say. It's more about the atmosphere and, you know, you go for things like that. Pinball Expo is kind of the weird one because Pinball Expo has this fantastic tournament that they give away a brand new pinball machine from Stern. They have a classics event. They have a big women's tournament. They have all kinds of other things, the Pinball Olympics that are off-site. So you've got both the gathering of the show, people that want to see the vendors, and the homebrews and things like that, and the new games like your Legends of Valhalla and other games that we're seeing but there is the tournament that goes on there and it's the biggest bracket tournament ever. So if you're playing in that tournament, you make the playoffs. Well, what that means is the playoffs are going to take a while and timing, unfortunately gets hurt with that because these are all new in box games, default settings, and they can play for quite some time. So if you win your match, you have to wait for the other bracket to get done, or they might be waiting for you. And in some cases that may be hours.
0: Yes, it is very, very tough to gauge the timing on that. I mean, the, the estimates on there are, are are pretty good based on based on previous results. But yeah, you can get to a point where all of a sudden everybody's picking a, a long playing game. It's like, oh, we're playing Mandalorian again. We're playing. <laughs> so, so you might have won, and, but you're waiting for the winner of the winner of the winner of the winner in this losers bracket match <laughs> or something. <laughs> So it's like, nice. wait a minute. I'm waiting for it's it like yes, I won my match, but I'm waiting for the winner of the winner of this match.
2: Like you could be you could be, you could be waiting for five brackets, Marty. And and I'm not exaggerating. I not this year. The previous year that I was there, I saw somebody win and they had to wait five brackets. So what do they do? Do they sit and wait? Do they go off to the show? Do they go grab a bite to eat? There's all these things you have to think about. And and then another time I saw a person say, Okay uh, yeah, I know I'm supposed to be playing you, and that person's been waiting, but I haven't eaten yet. Do you mind if I go eat? What? So now I got to wait another hour? It's just, how do you fix the timing in that bracket? And, and my suggestion was less people in the playoffs. I know that's the attractive thing about it, but maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's not being allowed to wait for that certain machine if there's already one or two people in the queue.
0: Right. Limit. Yeah. Limit the yeah, limit the waiting. Yeah. That's 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 would help as well. Um, you know, was what, like, what are you doing? I'm waiting for this match, but they're waiting for this game, which is being played by this by this group of people already. So I've got to wait for that one, which is unrelated, and then this one to get to the winner of that, and then I get to play.
2: So Marty, when you so, when you run tournaments, and if they run on a Sunday, I don't know how local everyone is at your tournaments. If they come from you know Queensland or Sydney or who knows wherever they come from Australia to go to your event in Melbourne. But at Expo on on Sunday, they have a classics event. And unfortunately, I know several people that said, even though I'm still qualified, even though I'm still playing, I have to go. My plane is leaving. So those Sunday events need to wrap up, especially a major, major event where you're going to get people from all over. They need to wrap up probably midday so that there's flight opportunities for people to go to the West Coast or somewhere else. Do you have that problem, Marty?
1: Um. Oh, no, yes, yes and no. I i mean, the way I, the way I run the tournament is uh, you would expect by the end of the day, it's really only the final four. So if people want to watch, they can. But if people are out of the tournament, they can go. But I'm usually wrapped up by a certain time. And, you know, to, to travel really anywhere in Australia, East Coast, it's only an hour flight. So let's say you allow yourself two hours to leave and get to the airport to get on your plane. It's not that difficult for people to actually find their way if the tournament runs late. But, you know, look, Oh, how do I say this? I think if you are there for a tournament, the tournament comes first regardless of how long it goes. And my personal example I'll give is in disc when I got into B-finals And I didn't realise that they changed the time of the B finals. I thought it was two o'clock in the afternoon. It was six o'clock and my flight in LA was at 7.30. So I had to make a decision on what I was going to do. And if you remember, I decided that I was going to drive because I had to go to Utah. So I I decided that I was going to drive, I don't know, eight or nine hours overnight to get to Utah and stay for the finals. But I ended up catching a plane. And, and all my money that I won by coming second in B Division all went on accommodation and flight. And that's just, you dedicate to the tournament.
2: High roller.
0: That's it. That's, it. that's the things we do for pinball. That's it. Yep.
2: Wow. That's money it. bags. Well, no. It, no, I spent the
1: money I earned in the tournament, Jeff. So it wasn't money. It was like, I literally, I was top four. It was
2: dedicated for hookers and blow, admit it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Correct.
2: Yeah, we know. We know.
1: Correct. But again, what I'm saying is that I know that there are people that, you know, have to work the next morning and there's flight times. If it's that much of a risk, don't risk it.
2: There you go. I've said it. You know what, Marty? I've now done, I normally like to come into a tournament a day early just so I'm not jet lag and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So I was with Steven in Florida and that was another example where I thought, okay, I don't know when this tournament's going to end. It didn't matter anyway. I didn't make the playoffs anyway, but had I made the playoffs as I had in years past, I would have been, oh boy, you know, I got to now get a COVID check. I'm going to through Orlando, which is one of the busiest airports in the world. It's a Sunday night. Every kid and their family from Disney's going to be there. It's going to be a long lineup. I'm just going to fly Monday morning. So that was my kind of safety net. That's now what I'm choosing to do as opposed to get there early. And yeah, that's an extra day, an extra day off, but I think you're right, Marty. If you're choosing to go to the tournament, suck it up and, uh, you know.
1: I'm not saying suck it up. I'm not being that that rude, Jeff. What I'm saying is that tournament directors and tournament and, you know, the event organizers are doing their best to have things run on time. So if they don't, just don't be angry at them because that's what I've seen. I've seen online in particular, a lot of people get like quite abusive towards organizers because of, scheduling problems and they, they happen. And I guess what I'm saying is we've probably all been to enough tournaments to know that these things can happen. So if it does happen, you know, you're going to got to be prepared for it. You've got to spend your earnings
2: plan ahead. No, I agree.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, and it is your, your responsibility as a, as a player to, Give some leeway and timing as well. You know, yeah, if you do have to spend that extra day, if you can do that, just so that is no pressure. Cause I've done the whole run down the. Run down the, to to get to my exit, and no, I happen I happen to barely get 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 onto the uh, get on to the plane. You know, so I, I don't want to do that anymore. Oh, because I happen to make finals. It's like, oh, okay, I made finals. Oh, I think I'll make it this flight. Oh, okay, finals are a little bit right a little bit long. Okay, let's see what we can do. <laughs> okay, so but if you if you have to just give yourself a little bit of extra leeway just in case because I mean schedules break because this is pinball. You can have a group of people will just have great games or a game could just break in the middle and then you have to end up playing an extra game because of some catastrophic malfunction or something like that. So these are things that you cannot predict no matter how well the tournament is run and the tournaments that are well run recover from those from those things really quickly, but you, you know you'd have to also take responsibility yourself and say okay, I have myself I've left enough leeway so in case something's happen I'm still good. If it doesn't happen, then I just have a lot of time and I I have some leeway to spend and and hang out or do whatever. And so it just makes things less stressful that way because you're there to have fun. You're there to have fun at the tournament.
2: Okay, finally, the last one, Stephen, and we appreciate you. We've had you on for a while and I appreciate it. But the final one, I want to say only affects 20 people. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Uh,
1: 20 people. Is that the latter one?
2: Yes. It's the Stern, oh, Pro, yes. Circuit it's the Stern Pro Circuit Finals. Yeah. So Stephen Bowden is the number <laughs> yeah. one seed when the Stern Pro Circuit Finals happens sometime this spring, fingers crossed. And how this works, based on the 20 Stern Pro Circuit events, you get points. And whatever your whopper points, you add those up for the 20, put you in the top 20. Stephen played in a lot of Stern Pro Circuit events. He did very well at them. He won fantastic. He is the number one seed. So he will be playing... When there are only four people left, it's a ladder match. So the top 20, the first round will be 17 versus 18 versus 19 versus 20. They'll play one game. I assume that number 17 picks and the loser of that game is gone. Thanks for showing up to Chicago. You're one and done. Now they might have a side event of like the heads up challenge that they usually do, which is another tournament uh, to win a pinball machine. But there is an incentive of making the top 20. Everybody gets paid for going there, and I think it's five or $600. The higher you finished, the more you get. So, Stephen, just for showing up, what do you get?
0: I, I don't remember. I think it is $1,000. I remember that being a thing because I remember saying, okay, that covers my flight, <laughs> you know, and that covers my flight and hotels and all that. Okay. So, at least that gives me the incentive to go just in case if I happen to go in there, pick one, and bomb out. Um, at least I was there and at least, uh, you know, it, it was, it was good. So that's, that's all right. I mean, I'm glad people are still thinking about it cause I'm still, yeah, I've, it's been a while since I thought about having that number one seed just sitting there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So,
2: but that's interesting because Danielli Achari, who won the event years ago, he just limped in. I, he might've been the 20th seed and they held this yeah. in Pittsburgh right before Papa, I believe. And so he got in and he was there anyway. Okay, perfect. And he won it all. So there was some people that said, well, certainly he's an outstanding player, but he might've had an advantage because, okay, well, he's warmed up. He's played so many games. You're the number one seed. You're going to be playing people that have played more than one game. Everyone's played at least one. Some people more than that. And you got to go in there cold. You're going to pick the game. You'll probably have to go first. So you won't get to see what your opponents are. You could be one and done. It's uh, I
0: certainly could have. It certainly could be. I'm just hoping I can get enough warm up to. If there are any other like maybe practice games in there, I can just start, you know, warming up with, and uh, just try to pick a game that uh, I can get some good ball time on. Just because uh, if if I'm if I'm one and done, at least I want to have me one and played a good game and done. Because then you only have to beat one other person. Okay. So, that gives you the chance to advance, as long as you just beat one person and you just need to have good ball time in order to do that.
2: This tournament can't exist, I don't believe, without that kind of incentive of you're already going to be getting $600 to show up. I, I Yeah. I, so that's, uh-huh. that's great, but is there one thing you can do to suggest to make this tournament better? I've got one. What is it? You have none?
0: I, I'm thinking, I mean… <laughs> Other than a, other than another side event, because if when people if people bomb out like when the when the twentieth, nineteenth, and eighteenth, and seventeenth, I mean, as people start getting eliminated, there has got to be something else for them to do other than drinking at the bar that it's set up at, right? So,
2: Marty, no, got nothing. I would say remove the D-list celebrities that you've got coming. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I'm not trying to be a dick here, but seriously, they don't add anything to the pinball tournament. Every pinball tournament player is like, "What the fuck is going on here with Jay Wow or Brian Q from the Prankster Show?" Like, all they do is distract, and and <laughs> they bring in a lot of people. I'll get you. But it's not really for pin... Is it pinball exposure? I really don't know about that. I, I just know it w- it's was. it been chaotic in years past and distracting while major events going on.
1: Yeah, I, I know what you mean. When-, when you're watching this, which is, yeah, let's face it, the top 20 players of the year battling it out. It is high stakes. It is everything. It- it's like the best play you can have. I want to hear commentators commentating on what's actually happening. Yes. That's it. Yep, I get that.
0: Would you want that commentary? I mean, if you were in, I mean, I I wouldn't mind, but if you were in that finals, would you want that commentary that was done like Pinberg style where you could hear the commentary in a limited way? No,
1: I would would hate that, but I I have headphones to blot that out. I've said many times, I hate people commentating my game, if I can hear
0: it. Because I want to know that because like if – Say, if I, because if I'm at the booth, because if I'm, I'm the number one seed and I've been invited to the booth, I'm not going to abbreviate myself. You know, as far because, because there's a these of the top 20 players. So you know what's lit and what isn't. So I'm not going to like abbreviate myself as far as my commentary because it's being broadcast. I mean, I've had, you know, debates within myself of whether I would do that. You know, because and oh, am I coaching? Is it whatever? No, you're, you're not. No, no one's coaching a top twenty <laughs> player of the of the year. You're, you're not. So that commentary is depending on how it's projected. I mean, at least in in Pinburg was projected outward, so you couldn't really hear it. It would sound <laughs> like this, you know, when you when you heard it on stage. But uh, I imagine a circuit event if it was in that confined area and it's broadcast out, you would be, it would be pretty clear. It would, it would. It might sound like, it might sound like a call of duty broadcast or like a League of legends broadcast. <laughs> so I don't know how, if that would bother some people, but yeah, I guess break your headphones out or if you're good at blocking out sounds, mm.
2: we've taken a lot of your time. We look forward to seeing you. We look forward to American pinball, all the good things there. And, um, it's good to hear that you've landed on your feet in Chicago, and uh, we only know good things are going to come.
0: Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on, and it's it's a real pleasure to talk pinball with you again. And I say I can I can do this for as long as you need. I'm talking <laughs> I'm talking pinball, and it's it's a good day where you can talk pinball with good friends. So I'm happy for that. Awesome.
2: You've had some big wins. I wonder if your biggest pinball win. Was when Marty saved you over Raymond Davidson.
0: Be honest. That was that was pretty good. That was I gotta say that was that was that was pretty good. Okay, that I, you know I think if if I, if if that can be one of the few times I I, I beat no one player in the world, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll Add take that, that to the list. I may not get, I may not get official. another win. I may not get another win on that ever. <laughs> so I'll take that all day long.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Raymond lost twice. He lost to you, and then <laughs> last episode he went up against Keith. Marty killed them both. Yeah, and also,
1: not that I want to, not that I want to labour this point, but it all came down to my very first tournament in the US, and my very first tournament in the US was in disc Twenty Sixteen, and I don't know whether you know this, Steve, but this was the first time I met you, and we were sitting down. In the classics area and you had just had a shit game and you were like, oh, fuck it. But I had said hello to so many people and a lot of them had ignored me and you didn't. You had a chat with me and I went, oh, I like this guy. There
0: you go. <laughs> hey, because the game's ended, you know, that's it. Recover and try again. I mean, you yeah. know.
1: But you didn't have to talk. You didn't have to say anything. You could have just gone, yeah, whatever, some annoying Aussie guy. But no, we had a chat and I remember that.
0: Well, you know, I, I appreciate remember. I certainly remember. It. so I remember that. I remember much less the garbage game that I had. so I'm good I'm able <laughs> to put that. I've been able to put that behind me. That so a- uh, yes, definitely.
2: Do you know the first major tournament I ever went to was the Canadian? pinball championships it was in 2015 and my oh, friend Rand. you were there my friend randy yeah. uh we were outside and you were walking outside and you said see that guy right over there and i said yeah he goes that is one of the greatest players in the world and then we later talked at that uh, tournament and uh yeah not only one of the greatest but one of the nicest too and and you, you seem to be you know if you can talk to me if you can talk to marty you're probably like that with everyone so thanks very much steven
0: All right, thank y'all for having me on the show. I definitely appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to talking with y'all again, hopefully sooner rather than later.
2: The ever
1: amazing Stephen Bowden. What a legend. But did we learn anything, Jeff?
2: What we learned, Martin, is that if we had any listeners, they're all gone now because we talked a lot about tournaments. But (laughs) the good news is we don't have any listeners. It's been proven. The voters have put it in. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's listening, so we can do whatever the fuck we want.
1: Correct. Uh, If ever there was evidence required for the fact that we don't give a shit about awards, it's right now when we've had a lot. lot The funny thing is, we've had a lot of people message us. Well, I've had a lot of people message me. We've not even spoken about it to each other. Not bothered. Good to see. This is the the Twippy nominations, by the way, for for Best Podcast. We didn't make the list. Pinball Profile did. Fine with that. I'm just happy that those people that want the award are on the list.
2: Sure. Yeah. Right now. Okay. So when we recorded the first part with Stephen, again, pulling back the curtain, that was on December 27th. So when we said Happy New Year and all that bullshit, it was just (laughs) that. Today is, in fact, New Year's Day. It is for me. It's uh, January 2nd for you. It is correct. So, um, happy New Year's. You, yeah, you too. And to everybody. And so, yeah, these nominations came out. Sure, congrats to everyone. Seriously, that's uh, very, very exciting um, for those people. It, it does mean a lot to a lot of people. So, if that was your wish, awesome, great, wonderful. I guess maybe we're doing it wrong. How can we get better? What if we fucked up over the last year? Let's be critical of what we have done. Well, I'll tell you, probably the one thing is we don't report on the news. We don't
1: really, I mean, sometimes we do, but we don't really go through what's topical in pinball. And, you know, I did that with head to head and the amount of effort it takes just to keep up with everything, I ain't got time for that.
2: Do you know why I've never been a fan of doing that in obviously pinball profile or in this is because for some stupid reason in my head, and it's my problem, I find the shows are dated when you do that. I have people that contact me about old pinball profiles I've done that are essentially timeless because they weren't really relative to new things. Now, that's not always the case because a new game would come out and I would talk to Tim Sexton about Led Zeppelin rules. So that's, you know, dated because that's an old code and all that stuff. And it was topical because it came out. But other things are just kind of generic pieces. And I I like to broadcast what I like to listen to. And I like interesting stories. By the way, all those podcasts on there, you've probably heard them all. And if you haven't, go listen to them. Yeah, they're great. Yes. So I want something that I really strive to do something that's different than everyone else. I've always been that way in everything I do. And I I think this uh, little format that we do is really, it's the banter between you and I. It's two friends taking (laughs) shots at each other, you know, trying to make each other laugh.
1: It literally is a way for you and I to schedule in a conversation with each other every fortnight. That's what it is. And people happen to be listening to it. And thanks to everybody that that reached out, we're not bothered.
2: Yeah, honestly. I do this gladly because it entertains me. And it's selfish to say, but that really is it. And if other people like it, great. If not- Probably not going to fucking change a thing because it's. <laughs> I don't want to conform to something that I'm not comfortable with. I don't know. I, I like what we're doing. Wouldn't it be
1: awesome, though, if Pinball Profile won it? Oh, no. Oh, that nope. would be amazing. No. I tell you why it would be amazing. Because you would hate it, and I would love it because you hate it.
2: Martin, you know something only one other person knows, and I'm not going to say it. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? hmm mm-hmm. Okay. I wouldn't hate it. I would be humble. Do you want to know something? I asked Jeff Patterson last year to take me off the list. I know you did. <laughs> I said, I let, you, when I saw people like Loser Kid not get on or Slam Tilt, who thankfully are on this year, I thought, you know what? I, I don't even know if they care, but I just like, I really don't. When you started Head Head, when I started this or Pinball Profile, we didn't do it with the goal of, oh, please someday give me a fucking well, because award. Because there was no awards at the time, remember? That's our point. We didn't do it mm. for that reason. We did it because we wanted to have some sort of unique niche of pinball podcasting or or a different take or cracking jokes or whatever it is. So hopefully we're doing that. And if we're not, don't listen. But I think we have a few listeners and I mm-hmm. we're, we're thankful for it. But really, honestly, we do it for ourselves. It's so selfish. It's a, it's a lot of work for you and I at times, but... It's, I don't know, I think it's a necessary evil to have that Fortnite talk that you and I do and and we get to shoot the shit. I personally think it's a direct response to
1: you saying that we're not going to do the reach-arounds this year. People have gone, well, fuck you then. If you don't like award shows, fuck off. (laughs) I think that's what's happened. (laughs) Anyway, the more we we talk about it, the more it makes it look like we actually do care. So- Let's move on. Let's move on.
2: Stephen Bowden is a- gift to this community in more ways than one we are thrilled that he is with american pinball and what he will do i saw in fact today today being january 1st new code for the recent game legends of Allhalla. so i'm curious to see what that'll be i'm curious to get the game myself and um i can only imagine better things to come boy he he's so humble when he was talking about his rule set and they're on funwithbonus.com and He's got different ideas, but they haven't really been tested out in the wild, so to speak. We're going to see that now, and I think we're going to see some great things. It does break my heart that he is in his own humble mind, and maybe you're the same with Haggis, unproven. Sure. I think you both, even though we haven't seen your rule sets, I would say you're ahead of the curve for most people getting in the hobby.
1: Mm, Maybe,
2: maybe. You're too humble.
1: But the, the other thing I, I learned from speaking to Stephen is that even though our, the jobs that we have are really varied and interesting and diverse, they are nowhere near as interesting as your job. What? Because obviously you found what we're talking about boring. So clearly it mustn't be interesting. Interesting.
2: Did I miss something? Yes. uh, You yawned
1: when we were talking about our job and and you
0: started
2: yawning. (laughs) I was just trying to crack a joke again for our two (laughs) listeners. They might enjoy (laughs) it. The listeners being me and Stephen. Yeah. And Ian, who we make fun of every week. Oh, there's our problem. You know what? You know what it is? It's between making fun of our guests, our listeners, and then killing off the other ones. That could be the problem.
1: (sighs) Yeah. There's a lot of death coming from our show. So maybe people be like, oh, a bit morbid, won't give you a nomination.
2: Fuck, you didn't kill Betty White, did you?
1: <laughs> oh, stop. Like two weeks before she turned 100. Bloody hell.
2: You know yeah. what? My son and I were talking about Betty, honestly, a week ago and just and laughing about some of the things she did. And I said, you really got to go watch Golden Girls. It's funny. He goes, Dad, I hate laugh tracks. I'm like, you don't have to fucking tell me that. Yeah. But I said the writing is really, really, really good. If you like Arrested Development, a lot of those guys got their start on Golden Girls. Hmm. Did you know that?
1: Yes. So sad to hear about Betty White dying. And thanks, Ian.
2: (laughs) Poor Ian. Oh, we love it. Ian did... Actually, it wasn't he Somebody who goes by the name Dr. Dude. God love it. (laughs) He sends these funny emails to us. And we we have no idea who it is. Um, But Dr. Dude, uh, you're awesome. Keep sending them. He said we should call the Who Will Marty Save bit to something that's more of a pun, which podcasters like to do. He suggested we call that segment Death Save. Oh, genius.
1: Absolute genius. So let's call it Death Save.
2: We're going to call it Death Save. Yep. Except we did it a lot last year and it proved to do nothing. So (laughs) I'm afraid the only death that's happening is that segment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you think it's fun? It's course.
2: I think it needs a code update. Mm. We're not going to kill anybody. (sighs) There's too much death and destruction in this world. Can't we just really hurt them? (laughs) (laughs) And when I say hurt them, I don't mean physically. I mean... Um, emotionally, which probably scars even longer. Can't we just do that instead? I think it's the
1: same thing. For them to hear me say, I would rather this person die. I think that's emotional scarring right there.
2: Marty, I don't want to call this segment Death Save. We will still continue with Who Will Marty Save? But no one will peril. I can't do anything about the seven you killed last episode. They're all done. (laughs) Look, I'm not a miracle worker. I can't bring them back from Mm. the dead. Sorry, apologize. But if we were to bring in two new people, and I'm trying to think, wow. I always make it difficult for Marty because I always pick two people you really, really love. And wouldn't it be easier if I picked two people you couldn't stand? And I don't know if you have any more disdain for anybody than Canadians. So we're going to pick two Canadians. Okay. And we just have to figure out what's going to happen to them. I should probably do this in advance, but. uh.
1: Yeah, you should probably do. I, I couldn't think of anybody that's a Canadian that I don't like. They're just the loveliest people.
2: But should you choose, and I'm going to make it very difficult. You are about to watch two Canadians go out onto a frozen lake to go skating. Okay. And one's on the east side, one's on the west side. And they don't have cell service. And you've just been given a report. The ice isn't thick enough. hmm
1: hmm
2: You can't save both. Sure. And because of your big heart, you want to save at least one of them. Do I? Will it be... Canadian, Ed Robertson, who thinks he's an expert on ice. By the way, today, New Year's Day, he has sent me not one, not two, three pictures of him on frozen ice. Okay. So Ed Robertson or Todd McCulloch, who <laughs> lives in the States now. <laughs> but,
1: but wasn't the premise of this people like, that I don't like? I like both of these people. But they're
2: Canadian. And you're saying you like Canadians? I stand corrected.
1: I don't like all Canadians, ah,
2: obviously. Good point.
1: But Canadians are the loveliest people. I'm yet to meet a Canadian I don't like. There you go.
2: We'll find one. Mm-hmm. So, poor Marty, you know, you're torn. Do I save Ed, who's been a guest on this show? He provided a great theme song written by himself for the reach-arounds. Or Todd McCulloch, who has provided the pinball world with so much. He was the host of the IFPA World Champions. He's been a guest on this show. We had some good laughs. He's always welcome back on the show. If... They survive, that is. And Marty, you've got to pick. Do I tell Ed, don't go on the ice? Or do I tell Todd, don't go on the ice? Ooh, okay. Tough one. It's not tough. Whoa.
1: Now, let me explain.
2: I also want to point out the water is over eight feet deep so that if you're saying, well, it's only five feet, Todd can stand up in the water. No, they're going under.
1: No, I mean, I could have gone down the, the path of, well, they'll freeze and then you can thaw them out later, like, you know, those cavemen type things. But. Gotcha. I'm not. I I actually, one of them can die. I'm fine with that. Oh, whoa. Yeah, but in the the spirit of who will Marty save and the the pattern that's appeared through all of these things, Ed Robertson, fantastic, fantastic musician.
2: He's never played in Australia, though.
1: Oh, no. Has he? No, I think.
2: I don't know if he brought his talents to Australia. You talked about it and he's like, well. No,
1: I think they did when they first made it big, I'm pretty sure they came out either for, for a tour or for a promo tour, anything Perhaps. like that. So he does phenomenal music. He's got a great voice. As I said, if it wasn't last episode, the episode before, absolutely love their new track that's just come out. Also, the song he did for the Reach was epic. Just phenomenal. Like it was professionally recorded, which was probably too much for the show. <laughs> it really kind of... You
2: know, yeah, it was
1: completely different to everything else.
2: Ed set the standard. Correct. And because it was so high, now we can't do retrons again.
1: Correct. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So, so he is a fantastic guy, big pinhead, absolutely love him. Todd McCulloch, on the other hand, responded to my message first when we put to him, what was the scenario? Oh. If...
2: Yeah. So we were both mentioning that, We were friends with Todd, and I Mm -hmm. just thought it was funny to say something like, well, I'd say he's more of a friend to me, being Canadian and also redhead. We're also born, by the way, on January 27th. We have the same birthday, so he must like me more than like you. He immediately texted us both back, and without hesitation, that if he had to choose one, he's actually the original person who created this game. This
1: is my point. Yep.
2: Uh, If you had to save Marty or me, who would you save? And he said, without a doubt, Marty.
1: Yep, he did. But also, even before that, we'd had a bit of a bet that said, let's send him a message. Whoever he responds to first is the better friend. He responded to me first. So clearly, I'm going to be saving Todd. Ed, love what you've done. You've done, you've had a great career, full body of work with
2: Naked Ladies. Well done, but you're done. You love your ace. Yep. We've tried to warn you. Oh, well. Um... Do you know anybody you else who sings songs in case we ever do reach around again now that you've uh, dusted Ed? Well done, Marty. Good strategy. Hey, Todd, yeah. how's your singing voice?
1: <laughs> not a lot of famous musician pinheads that I know of. Um, Ryan Adams, he's a, a dickhead. Pinhead?
2: <laughs> is he? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, he's canceled. Oh, has he? Yeah, he's terrible to women.
1: Okay. I don't know him. I just know the name. I also know that he's not Brian Adams, is what I know.
2: Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. One letter, major difference. Yeah, correct. Speaking of Canadian musicians, Mm -hmm. the big news, by the way, you're probably wondering where our sponsor of the week is because we have no listeners and we're not a a top podcast. We've actually lost our sponsorship. So thanks Yeah, like canceled. Thank you. Thanks. 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 But back to Canadian musicians, a lot of controversy. I'm surprised, but maybe I really didn't pay attention to previous music pins and what people were saying. They're obviously the fans of any band that comes out. And then there are those that say, well, why that band or dad rock or blah, blah, blah. Rush is the new pinball machine that we're going to see this week. Again, we're recording on the first or the second in Australia. I can't believe the positive and equally negative response to this machine.
1: It's okay. We've obviously had dad rock pins and people's responses to it. And for the most part, People are like, ugh, you know, dad rock pin, another one, blah, blah, blah. And it's fine. You look at it and you go, yeah, okay, expected it. From an outsider, this is different. This has had, as you've, you've sort of said, extremes on both sides, but I've, I've not seen a response like this to a music pin. And, I, you know, I made the point last episode, I sort of said, why does this game exist? Obviously. And a lot of Australians have been piping up on social media saying that they don't know Rush. So for me, I just, I don't get the theme, but I will say I didn't get Aerosmith and I think Aerosmith is a phenomenal game. And I think it's a fantastic theme. I think what they did with that theme was amazing. So let's put it at this. It's a musical backdrop. I've listened to their music. Uh, My summary of their music is, and I've spoken to a few people this week, technically they are possibly the best musicians that have ever existed, ever. They are virtuosos completely. They are just technically next level. They don't really like melodies or hooks or anything that's really memorable. It's just a really nice, technical, complicated Soundscape is how I would say it and, and I listen to them again during the week just to see if I could, I don't know, win myself over with their music and I haven't. It's not my thing but I still think it will make great, great pinball music. I just think it's got the right energy for pinball. If, and we know it's a John Borg design, if he does another great layout, I'm happy And if it's got great art, because that was the other thing that happened. Sorry, I'm on a bit of a a, a ramble here. But that's the other thing that happened with uh, Aerosmith. It came out with fantastic art and it was kind of like, huh, you've made Aerosmith cool again. So, I suspect Rush is actually going to be a great game. There you go. I've said it.
2: I've already ordered mine. Now, Yeah, I have. I've already ordered a machine. Again, it's something my wife also likes, as you mentioned on the last podcast. I really like John Borg Mm -hmm. because of Led Zeppelin and because of the people. I'm a big fan of code by Tim Sexton, Raymond Davidson. Mm -hmm. I just see this as a a great team. Again, back to that band thing you're talking about, the polarization rush. Gives that polarization not only for pinball, but it actually does from a radio station. Think of all the classic rock radio stations I've been involved with over the years. Now almost 30 years in radio. And I'll tell you, there are three artists that are completely polarizing. Three of them. And it's Rush. People love, people hate. And I say that because when we play them and we get emails or feedback, it's like, love Rush, play more. Can't stand it. I turn off the radio every time you play it. I'm serious. We get that. We get that for Rush. We get that for another Canadian artist, Neil Young. Ugh. See, there you go. It's no in between. It's can't either love stand or hate. Him. He's a god. Can't man. stand
1: him. Oh no.
2: And the other artist is Bob Dylan.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Another one I can't stand.
2: So there you go. No in betweens. Mm, and the reason yep. with all three of those have in common is their unique voice. And yes. it's piercing to some. It's sweet and soft to others. And
1: Sweet and soft to the deaf community.
2: Well, mm. I, I get it. So as where I love Rush and Neil Young. I've tried and tried and tried and tried to appreciate Bob Dylan. And I certainly respect the, you know, change to Electric that got him boot off the stage mm-hmm. and, and his writing and all that stuff and how he's influenced many other people and how people have covered his songs. I've seen him in concert. I still don't fucking get it. I just, mm. so I'm not going to say I hate him, but I also can say I'm not a fan, but respect
1: So, oh, so there you go, respect. So, as I said, I can't stand, I can't, you're right, I can't stand their voices, but I do really respect them as artists and of the three, Neil Young, I think, has probably got the best songs, the most memorable songs, the great hooks, just really good lead lines. But I respect two out of the three. As I said, I don't necessarily respect... Uh, Rush that much, because I just don't know their work. But I tell you what I have, I have been watching. I think you and I have talked about this. Whenever I see a band, there is one member of the band I am always watching. Always. No one else. It's not the singer, it's not the guitarist, it's not the keyboard player if they haven't. It is always
2: the drummer. Oh, then you're going to be blown away by Rush.
1: I so, what's his name, Neil Peart or something? Peart. Peart. whatever his name is, whatever. He is a spectacular drummer. And I've been watching live videos of Rush, just been watching his drumming. He's just, and I know that people have said he's one of the best drummers that's ever existed. And I can say why.
2: Technically, he's crazy. If you just watch the song Tom Sawyer, which is featured on the pinball machine, it's one of those songs he said every time he played it live in concert, it was a challenge. And he's been playing that. And obviously, he's passed away now two years ago this month. He's been playing that for almost 40 years and it was a challenge because of all the different changes a lot of drummers just keep the groove just keep the beat and maybe the odd fill here and there maybe they get a little piece at the end of the song where they can go wild he does it throughout the whole entire song there's no uh, i'm trying to put this in layman terms four two ones uh four hits on the hi-hat two on the bass drum one on the snare and just wait till your moment to to do a fill here and there
1: no, they're complicated patterns throughout they're all are Ridiculous, songs. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I tell you, the only thing I don't like, and I don't like this particularly with drummers that try to show off how good they are when they change time code. Just don't do it. Just stick to four 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 or three four or whatever it's going to be. But give me a complicated rhythm. This whole changing time codes thing. No, not interested. Showboating.
2: Well, okay, yes, but. There's interesting things about time codes. If you're in 4-4 time and your drummer's doing 5-4 time, guess what happens every four bars? Yeah. You're back in sync. But
1: why would you be in 4-4 and your drummer be in 5-4? Stupid. Don't be in 5-4.
2: Listen to Led Zeppelin's rock and roll song, which was recorded and done. It was done in 15 minutes. Bonham started playing a beat. Jimmy comes in with her lick, and they're like, fuck, this might be something. And of course, then they added some other stuff later. But the whole song, start to finish, 15 minutes. The times are completely different in that song, but they come back together every, let's say four bars or so. Have a listen. It's amazing. What it sounds like the first time you hear it is a lot of fucking noise. And maybe that's what you're hearing. What I've always tried to do with bands like Rush, bands like Zeppelin, is just try to, when I listen to a song, I listen to one element of the song. It might be the guitarist. It might be the vocalist. It might be the drums, the keyboards, the bass. Only isolate one Next time I listen, to a different one, a different one, different one. And then to see how it all comes together. That's what Rush is to me or Zeppelin. And there's a lot of similarities there for me. It's just that everybody in the band is an extremely talented musician. They
1: really are. They really are. Cannot be denied. My research this week is cannot be denied. These guys are virtuosos. Just top of the game. Amazing. But as I've said, they just don't write memorable songs. They write very complicated and interesting pieces of music, just not very memorable songs. There you go.
2: I've been to a lot of Rush concerts. And, uh, you know, if they're, we don't know how many at the time of this recording, we don't know how many LEs are gonna, they're going to be. I do know they're pretty much sold out everywhere. And I have looked. I'm not going to buy one, but I've just been curious. They're sold out. You know what is an LE limited edition at a Rush concert? A woman. Uh Uh-huh. It's all dudes. Yeah. (laughs) My wife's a big Rush fan, and I said, honey, look around. It was like stretching the horizon to see another woman (laughs) at a few of the concerts and stuff. You know
1: what? It was like that when I saw Iron Maiden. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah.
2: Dudes. Dudes. And one thing about Iron Maiden, they're all wearing the the gear. Everyone's got an Iron Maiden shirt. That's what I think is so cool about that. Okay. So Rush, we're going to see more of the streams and all that kind of good stuff. I think uh, a great way to kick off the new year. Who knows, like everybody else, when these games will be available for pickup. I would imagine it's going to take a while. Operators will get theirs first, which is great. But Marty, I got to tell you something, and I'm saying it, not you. I'm saying it. I'm sick and fucking tired of people complaining about delays. (laughs) Because it is in every aspect of all industries. You want to buy an yeah. appliance, there's going to be a delay. We had Nightingale talking about buying an electronic vibrating bed or something, or something to do with bedding, and how long she had to wait for her new bed. And I was like, for bedding? Everything. Try buying a car. Everything. Pinball machines. So if you are one of our two people listening to this show, cut some slack on all all pinball providers for the delays because their hands are tied. From the big guys to the little guys, they're doing the best they can. They're trying to keep the lines moving, trying to keep the employees employed, and it will get better. It's just there's not a lot they can do in the interim. So rest assured, if you've got money involved in these companies, I'm sure you're going to do fine. And I would say if you've got an order on any machine for any company, except Ebroot, you will see your machine. There, I said it. Okay. You don't want to comment on it, do you?
1: I can't, I can't, I, it, like, it was not solicited, people. I know. It was just from from Jeff, but you obviously know my thoughts.
2: I'm saying it because I'm, I'm seeing the occasional whiners online. I, but then I'm seeing nice things, too, from people that say, I've got this on order. I can wait. You know what I'm waiting for? An Avengers premium to come in. That machine is 16 months old now.
1: What? Have you got one on order?
2: Yeah. What? No. Yeah. Do you know what, by the way? I'm in no rush. Oh, sorry. That's a pun. Oh, no, but, but I, dun- I, I know I will get it. I know it'll be a great machine. I know I'll probably flip it for Godzilla as soon as I go. But the point is, <laughs> no, I- You will. Everybody. I'm waiting for, I'll say this, I'm waiting for my Legends of Valhalla. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It'll come. Everything will come. I did kind of notice on Head to Head, there might have been the odd shot pointed, oh, in some direction about, uh, what was it? The bubble bursting?
1: (laughs) 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 You know, like, when you're not there and we can say what the fuck we like, you know we were going to bring something like that up.
2: Yep. (laughs) Can we revisit that? Sure. I mean, we've we've got nothing else to talk about, so what else? Sure. Yeah, go. What did I mean by, I think the bubble will burst in your definition?
1: That prices are going to go down and people aren't going to get the money they
2: expect. You're kind of right. Hmm. What prices?
1: That was, well, for the, the second-hand market. Second-hand. Thank not, you. Not Thank for you. new games. Yes. Yeah, no. It's for the second-hand market. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. the second-hand market is the one that's gone ridiculous. Yes. I know that the, the, the new inbox market prices have gone up, but those prices have gone up with either new technology that's been put in there like you know, Stern Insider. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, bomb prices have gone up, but I don't think manufacturers have been price gouging because of the market. It's the second hand market that yes. is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, I knew that's what you meant.
2: But don't you agree or no? You don't agree that
1: No, I don't. No, oh. my point to you was my point to you was when? And how? What evidence do you have that says it's gonna burst any day now?
2: Hmm. How do you have evidence for something in the future?
1: That's was exactly my point. Thank you very much. Well done. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. That's, that, that's all I was Marty. saying was, where's your evidence? Where's your proof? It's not, we, were, we want it to happen. Anyway, we, we, we've been through
2: this. Is the lesson for me to not predict the future?
1: No, we can, we can speculate on it, but if there's no evidence behind it, then it's just speculation. Whereas I think it was presented as... A, a voice of authority. Mm.
2: A voice of authority. I can't help that. I've got a fucking deep voice, and I sound like a fucking super broadcaster. I can't help that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's all, that's all my point was. Is but it was all, my my reaction was also social media. Everybody, you know, just like games go up on the secondhand market. We've got our Australian Facebook buy sell groups as well, and they do go up for crazy prices. But you know. If people get it, like as in people buy it at those prices, so be it. It's classic supply and demand. It's all it is, it's just supply and demand. So, you know, it's my reaction was me sick of people saying, oh, fucking price, the bubble's gonna burst. Well, is it? Because you've been saying that for a couple of years now and it still hasn't burst.
2: I haven't said it for a couple of years.
1: No, I'm talking, I wasn't saying you personally or saying, Lots of people have been saying for years now it's going to burst. So, well, hang on. It hasn't, and the housing market hasn't either. There's other things that mirror the same situation that we're in. It's just a seller's market at the moment.
2: Do you know what made me say it for the first time? And it was the timing of when I said it. It was Elvira's 40th and the $25,000 ticket price for that and people trying to resell it for $30,000, whatever the case may mm. be. Mm-hmm. I understood the Supreme model. I didn't agree with it, but that's their buying habits. That's their selling habits. That, you have to agree with, is a commodity business, not a pinball business. When Supreme, pinball machine, they fell into that commodity business. It's the limited edition mentality.
1: Classic supply and demand. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Limited supply with an overabundance of demand means you can charge what you want. That's it.
2: So- the bubble you're saying will not burst on limited editions and things like the Elvira fortieth. Is that what you're suggesting?
1: No, I'm I'm gonna I'm saying that it will possibly happen at some time. What my frustration was is everybody saying it's going to burst like it's imminent. You're going to lose your money. It's going to be like no. Nobody knows when it's going to happen, and nobody knows exactly the the extent of the correction. Um, or it may be that this is it forever. Who knows? The, but the fact that people are saying, oh, well, it's going to burst, it has to. Does it? Does yeah. it actually? Like, is there any evidence to say that it has to burst?
2: I think you're always safe buying a pinball machine from a manufacturer, a direct, or- are <coughs> I, I, <think> <laughs> I think you're always safe. Uh, hold on a second. I, I, I think you actually lost money on Munsters at the wrong time.
1: Yeah, three grand. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. I think if you buy it from a manufacturer, direct, or you buy it from a distributor- you don't buy. What I'm saying is, you don't buy a secondhand machine. I don't think you're losing any money on it. Even all those people selling Halloweens and stuff uh, before they even get the games. I think if you hold on to it and you don't have to wait a long time, I think you'll get your money for it. Do you not think right now today, if you still had that Monsters LE, which you did take not a bath on, but you probably is it safe to say you lost a thousand bucks on it?
1: I just said it before, three grand. Was
2: oh, three grand?
1: Three thousand
2: dollars. Okay. Now that Stern connected is available with that. And there's
1: new code. Yeah, there is new code, but it's not a revolutionary new code. It's just, you know, an extra mode and, and a couple of, you know, bits here and bits there. It's not, it's not, I don't think it's fixed it.
2: I don't even know what the secondary market is on that.
1: Well, again,
2: I don't know the price of those
1: machines that have actually sold. I've just seen people put them up for sale and they don't, people aren't, You know, putting them up for the ridiculous amounts of money that some people machines do, but it's still, they're still going for two grand, two and a half thousand dollars more than list price.
2: Oh, okay. So you sold yours for three thousand less than list price. Correct. And you're seeing them on the market now for two. So you're proving my point. Had you? (laughs) Correct. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's just, ah, it's too bad. But you know,
1: if I, if I at the time was Ian, and managed to create this virus to affect the market like this? Yes. Sure, I would have kept my machine, but I'm not A.N. I haven't caused this mass destruction throughout the world.
2: Oh. Poor Ian. <laughs> we're going to go to TPF. By the way, we've never met the person, ever. No, we haven't. We, we do know what he looks like. We do know his full name, and we'll never release that because that's not nice. Mm. It's, uh, we're going to see him at TPF one time uh, where I want to point out You're allowed to have uh, concealed weapons. And uh, he's going to come up to us. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to say, Which one do I save? Oh, boy. Right now, again, January 1st, they're talking about non essential travel to other countries. And I'm just banging my head. I'm like, Fuck, I'm a month away from Indesk. Mm. I'm two months away from TPF.
1: Oh. Yeah. And same here. Like, we are now, we are now breaking all kinds of records for the daily amounts of cases. So I think New South Wales peaked at about 21,000 new cases. I remember we used to go into a panic when there was a hundred new cases and then there was 21,000 a couple of days ago. And, you know, Victoria where I am is seven and a half thousand or something like that. So we're we're crazy, but it's Omicron. So people are like, oh, you're just going to have a bit of a cough, whatever, get over it. But I don't know what that's going to mean for travel.
2: We don't know indeed. So you and Ryan, I think you were at Ryan's for a little Christmas gathering. I don't think it was too large or whatever, but certainly nice to see people after the long lockdown that you had. It was great to hear you guys on Head to Head. I made some other notes about Head to Head. Hold on a second. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I made some other notes here. I had to Google the word prolapse.
1: (laughs) I do not recommend that.
2: Too late for me. Mm. Thanks for that. You're welcome. It's kind of one of those things you can't unsee.
1: Well, if you had a good look, <laughs> you would have seen it in the
2: image that was posted. Oh, really? I yep. look. Oh, I'm to <laughs> really, I'm totally looking right now. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not even going to cut this out. You're going to. This is how long it takes me to look. It's in the image. Yep. It's subtle. Is it in the picture? Yep. Okay. I can't zoom in though. No, I know. And I've blurred it out. Fucking serious?
1: No, but I got to tell you. I got to tell you. Of all the people that was going to get it, Dr. Pin messaged me straight away and said, "Well, well done on the image putting prolapse in it." He said, "God tier." So,
2: he knew. He oh. knows what one looks like. Oh my. Oh my god, you're a bad person.
1: <laughs> it's head to head, you know?
2: It's not it's not meant to be safe. It's meant to be just shits and giggles. It was you know? so funny, and you were so hammered. <laughs> I got there, like as I said,
1: I was about halfway into the the halfway into the show, <laughs> half an hour into the show, and just went, "It's all a bit serious. I need to get drunk," and I did.
2: So, okay. what else did I learn from the show? You wouldn't have learned much from the show. No. Hula hooping? Who mentioned hula hooping? Professional hula hooping? Is there? You were drunk because Ryan was talking about he met a friend that was. You know, He was talking about his pinball hobby, and I think her hobby, which was expensive, was hula hooping. Yep, I did hear that. That's a thing. Yeah, yep. Speaking of Christmas episodes, my Christmas, uh, I guess we'll go into our what happened in the last two-week segment. I got Anne a gift because Anne showed me a video that she made visiting a friend down the street. This friend has a a garage, and in the garage there's... I think there's a stripper pole. I think there but anyway, it's just a garage, but there happens to be a pole there. And she's going to show me this video and I'm like, "What are you about to show me?" And she goes, "Oh, we just got together and and I tried something." I'm like, "Oh, no. It had nothing to do with the stripper pole. Don't you worry." Okay. <laughs> okay. She threw on some tap dance shoes. She goes, "I used to tap dance when I was like 10." Oh, and God. she does this does this little shuffle. This is like back in August. And to me, it was cute as hell. And I'm like, I've got to make a note. Christmas, get and tap dance shoes. Greatest gift ever. Really? For her. For, who? for me. Everybody involved just to watch my wife do a couple little shuffles on, on a uh, piece of plywood. <laughs> wow. And it's going one step further. I'm not just going to get tap dance shoes. Totally tap dance lessons. No.
1: Yes. Oh, yes. God. Yes. I am so glad I am not in Canada.
2: You love Anne and, you know, I love her, but not that much. She's planning on an Easter recital.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Make sure you broadcast it. Like, l- let's do a Zoom call on it. Yep, I will. I will. Okay. Love it. Wow.
2: Yep. Okay. How was your Christmas? What'd you get? Oh,
1: uh, look, I like got gin. I know that's going to be a big surprise, but I tell you what I did get. A very interesting- Present, I got over the holiday period, and that is, I got to watch the new Matrix film.
2: I thought you were going to say a prolops documentary, but go ahead, the <laughs> Matrix. So yes. I, you and I both have kind of watched it. You're a big, big Matrix fan. It's my number one favorite film. As in, like you want to see it as a pinball machine kind of thing? Yep, absolutely.
1: It's 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 my favorite movie of all time. The first one. I have watched a ridiculous amount of times, and I enjoyed the two original sequels.
2: Okay, we can't spoil anything, right?
1: No, okay. So, guys, well, we can—not too much. But if you if you haven't seen the Matrix, you're going to watch the Matrix. You've got a vested interest in it. Skip forward about five minutes because we're going to talk about Matrix Resurrections.
2: Five minutes. Time. Let's talk about it. Go.
1: Okay. Okay. Starting now. What a shit film. It's fucking Fuck terrible. Dead. <gasps> oh, Oh, my God. So we spoke this morning, or was it? Yeah, this morning. I watched it yesterday. After about, I think, 45 minutes, I had to turn it off. It was making me so angry Yeah. because what it was doing was taking a massive, I mean, massive steaming green turd with toxic bits of corn in it all over the original movie. It was using clips from the original movie. It was trying to retell the original movie. It had new actors that were just terrible actors, just really badly cast.
2: And we've already accepted that Keanu Reeves is a terrible actor. You know, if, if any line in the dialogue is more than two sentences, hey, come at the director's like, cut, cut, cut. You know the rule. Keanu only gets one line at a time. He can't do more than one line. He, mm-hmm. can't, do, he can't do monologues. Keep it simple.
1: Yeah, the director would be like, Oh my God, you absolutely freaking nailed that scene. Can we do it again? But not so good, please. Because you'll freak people out. Hey,
2: here's another thing too. You know that look you've been doing for the last three movies in the John Wick? Mm. Even though that looks nothing like Neo, can you do that for this movie? Maybe it'll help. Can you go John Wick on it? Shave the fucking beard. Oh, stop it.
1: Anyway, so that was yesterday, 45 minutes into it. For those people... We're spoiling it, but you've got, it's very like the the first film in that the first part's kind of in the Matrix and then it's outside the Matrix. When they got outside the Matrix, that's when I stopped. That's when I went, do you know what? You've actually ruined the Matrix for me. I I am so angry at this movie. I don't want to listen. I don't want to watch it again. But today I got up and I thought, you know what? It's the
2: Matrix. I've got to at least see it to the end. Before you get to that, you and I did the exact same thing unknowingly. My son and I started watching it. An hour into it, we're like, this is the worst fucking movie ever. Mm. And we stopped. And I still have not watched the end. I don't think I'm going to. So what you're going to say doesn't spoil it for me. I don't care. Once I saw Jada Pinkett Smith in that old makeup and stuff, and I just thought, this is fucking cheesy. No, okay. I was done. So
1: watch the second half. Oh, really? Yeah, second half was much better than the first. Much better. Okay. But I'm going to tell you this. Again, spoiler, guys. I think we probably got about a minute to go. Neil Patrick Harris, worst
2: casting ever. Didn't make sense.
1: None. Don't, no, you can't have somebody so iconic in other roles trying to be, no, it just didn't work. It didn't work. The whole thing didn't work, but in the end, I would give it a B minus. It got better. It got better. It did get better. But, and I was talking to Stu Thornton, you know, that I work with, who was saved. Uh, it's a pointless movie. It, sh- it it does nothing to move the story forward. It does nothing to entertain us more than the original or the sequels. It is a pointless exercise. Cash grab. There you go, I've said it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why it exists. It is. So, uh, so here's, the, here's the pinball. Here, you ready? Okay, here's we're back to pinball. Pin- no more movie stuff here's here. Here's the pinball segue, right? Because- People have been talking about a Matrix pin for a long time. And I know that a Matrix pin, they toyed with it originally, but it's a risk. It's a risk when you do movies like this. So had somebody been doing a Matrix game based on this movie, would have lost their money. There you go. Said it.
2: I would imagine they would do a Matrix movie based on the whole catalogue.
1: I hope so. I would hope so. But this is what I'm saying. I think – this movie has sullied the franchise. Do
2: you know what would be great for the Matrix? At the start of the game, you pick a red pill or you pick a blue pill. If you pick a red pill, which one, which one was the one that got into the Matrix? Red. Okay, so the blue pill is just the normal life. You go on as nothing happened. Is that what it means? Yeah, correct. So when you pick the blue pill, the game is pretty easy code. But when you pick the red code, you got to buy a new additional code that comes after. Like you, you can't play it. <laughs> so, you, I think that would be great if you had two different coders. One does the blue mm. and one does the red. <laughs> oh. That's actually
1: quite an interesting idea.
2: It is interesting. Yeah. Sorry, you can't yeah. play the red until you buy the premium code.
1: Yep. Correct.
2: Oh, boy. Hearing Steve Bowden again talk about his code and his suggestions, his rules... I'm excited by it. I mean, he just knows so much. And I know you're nervous a little bit. Maybe not. I think you are about when Fathom comes out, which is very soon. I think you are smart enough to know what people want. You've been listening for years and years. You're experienced as a player yourself.
1: Yeah, but as I was was saying on Head to Head, it's great to have it all theory. Uh, Execution is is the challenge and… You know, we're getting, getting through it, and, you know, it's as I've sort of said, I want, I want it to convey an emotion or a feeling, and if it does, success, and that's all in the execution.
2: Marty, I can't think of one machine that when Code came out, the Code wasn't revised. Can you help me? I think of a game in the last three years.
1: I would say the, the game that I feel has probably been the most complete when it came out was probably Iron Maiden. Hmm. Because they really didn't add much to it, did they? There was no modes or anything. It just, it was fine as it came out of the
2: box. Oh, it was fine. But the game that you play now is much different than the game then.
1: No, not really. No? No, not for Iron Maiden. No, they did some tweaks, but it was pretty close to 1.0 when it came out. It was it was probably the most complete Stone game in recent years, I would say.
2: I'm trying to remember what the original Fear of the Dark was. I know it had the Keith animations, but I thought there was something different about it.
1: Uh, it was pretty complete. Jurassic Park was also pretty complete. Hmm.
2: So there's two. Yeah. So you want to be you want you want that kind of level? I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you come up with something and whatever code it is, whatever number percentage, and you have to make some changes, changes are good. That's fine. It might be score balancing. It might be bug fixes. It might be uh, an enhancement here and there.
1: That's okay. And that's fine for you to say thank you, but that's not the standard I'm using for the product that I want to put out there. I will probably rely on that, but it's not, it's not what I'm thinking. It's like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. No, no, no. To me, it matters.
2: This has been a long show. Yeah, it has. Are we doing too many shows? No. Who said that? Well, I want I- names. Who said it? I'm just wondering if doing less is actually more.
1: Oh, okay. If we go to once a month, is that what's going to get us a Twippy nomination? Is that what I'm hearing?
2: I don't know what the listener wants. I have no idea. I really am lost. Mm-hmm. So the two people listening, if you could send us an email, which I think I don't know for sure, is finalroundpinball at gmail.com. Am I yeah, correct? There it is. Got it. Yeah,
1: well done. What's our Instagram.
2: I'll tell you the Facebook. You just look under Final Round Pinball. Um, hold on, I'm not. I'm not looking. I'm not. What was the one you wanted? Instagram. It was Instagram. You wanted? You said yeah. Instra- yeah, I do.
1: Instagram is the one that I want. If you don't want to delay us no, further. no,
2: no. I'm you. I'm sorry. Again, we have a choice of Twitter or Instagram. Which one?
1: It's Instagram.
2: Okay. Or maybe Twitter.
1: Go Twitter now. Fuck.
2: uh Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's Final Round
1: Pinball Podcast on Instagram and it's at Final Round Pin on
2: Twitter. You took the words right out of my mouth.
1: No, I bet I did.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, we'll do this. I'm not even gonna say we're gonna do it in two weeks. We'll yeah, see.
1: Well, we'll just do it. Yeah, whatever. You know what? Yeah. That's whatever. Don't matter.
2: Doesn't matter. No. Nah, we're going rogue. No one cares.
1: Yeah. No one gives a shit.
2: Much like the prolapse episode, <laughs> a couple of butthurt <laughs> announcers here. <laughs> 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 uh. Oh, Oh, funny, 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 funny. funny, funny. Hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you and Ryan do that. Okay. Hey, buddy. We'll talk again and maybe we'll turn on the mics. Maybe we won't. We'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We might speak to you in a fortnight. We might not. We might never Mm -hmm. talk again. Correct. So thank you. Yeah, thank you.